Good evening. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to All Under the Sound of My Voice. This is the host of the Exceptional Scribble Show, Sage the Page Poet. That is my signature. And again, we have joined together on another terrific Tuesday night. It is now four minutes after the hour of 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you are now tuned in to episode 288 of The Exceptional Scribble Show. And for tonight, we have a special open forum discussion that will begin in approximately three minutes. I am simply going to give you a brief introduction as to what tonight's broadcast has in store for you. For our topic, tonight will be part two. Again, part two of Africans Rebranded Millennium Project. And our focus will be my ancestors were not slaves. And for tonight's show, we have as our special guest and return special guest, the feature artist, Dr. Patricia, Dr. Diawa. She is the founder and director of Two Smiles for a Child LLC. Next, I'm going to provide you with a little more facts about the topic and the focus for tonight's broadcast. Introducing the Africans Rebranded Millennium Project, i.e. strengthening our sense of pride in being African-American descendants of Africans portrayed as slaves. And I do want to acknowledge our indigenous audience as well. I am of that community too. And we will discuss a little more about that after this exclusive interview session tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Back to introducing the Africans Rebranded Millennium Project. Strengthening our sense of pride in being African-American descendants of Africans portrayed as slaves. Fostering an understanding and respect on the planet by, for the local and global influence, achievements, and contributions of Africans and descendants of Africans. African Rebranding Millennium Project, A. RMP acknowledges and honors the million sacrifices and contributions of Africans on the African continent, of African descendants in the diaspora, and of African ancestors to whom modern society owes a debt of gratitude for uncompensated service. And with that being said, in regards to reparations, after hearing what I just shared, I am so very certain 
that many of you now see why reparations is yes, vital for a community of persons whom have been underserved, disenfranchised, and literally have suffered from many attempts of genocide for many, 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 I'm, I'm talking about eons. I can't even begin to say centuries because it goes so far back further than just centuries. So with that being said, there's a book that I want to announce, which is a suggested reading, and it does directly tie in with tonight's topic and focus. It's entitled Black Panther Paradigm Shift or Not. It's edited by Herb Boyd and Haki R. Matabuti. And it's listed as having a collection of reviews and essays about a blockbuster film. And as was mentioned, it is the Black Panther movie. You can visit online, visiting amazon.com to find out how, yes, you may purchase your copy of this book. Again, it's entitled Black Panther, Paradigm Shift or Not, edited by Herb Boyd and Haki R. Metabuti. Please go on line tonight, if at all possible. I would definitely place orders now, if you have not. And the book is definitely a must read. Whenever the Exceptional Scribble Show host or co-host announces a suggested reading, note this, it is a must read. For those who would like to call in, our call-in number is 867-292-3066. I repeat, 867-292-3066. And our show's ID number, this is important. The show's ID number is a six-digit number. Again, the show's ID number is a six-digit number. That number is 133. 193. I repeat, 133193. And when asked for the PIN number, if you are not a member of TalkShoe, these are the instructions to follow. Again, when asked for the show's PIN number, if you are not a member of TalkShoe, these are the instructions you must follow. Press one on the telephone keypad, then press the pound key. Again, I repeat, press one on the telephone keypad, then press the pound key. And for those of you who are on the internet, you can join me now. I have information that is accessible to you in the chat room again if you are on the internet join me in the chat room now simply visit www.talkshoe.com i repeat www.talkshoe.com when you arrive to the home page for talk shoe that is the internet server for this show 
you need to look for a browse tab. When you see the browse tab, click on that tab. Once you have done so, you will navigate to the search page. Once you are there, you need to type in the show's ID number. That ID number is 133-193. I repeat, 133-193. Once you have typed that in, you will arrive directly to the home page for the exceptional scribble show. Once you are there, simply look for the link. You will see a series of archived links of past recorded episodes. The one at the top, which should read episode 288. I repeat, episode 288. When you see that link, click on it, and you will have then arrived to the page for tonight's shows broadcast. We are a live streaming audio recorded show. So when you do call in, make sure you have a quiet environment as for background noise. Otherwise, you are not being courteous to our listeners. And I want to welcome everyone who has joined us tonight. I see we have three callers on and one does happen to be our show's uh, special guest and feature artist, and I'm going to welcome her now. Also, we have our show's co-host on. I want to welcome her. Also, we have a caller from area code 856, and I am welcoming you. So all are welcome. Thank you, everyone, for joining. I see hands raised, and I do want to acknowledge those whose hands are raised. You are invited to speak. Uh, welcome and feel free to introduce yourselves. Please uh, be courteous to each other. I am first welcoming on uh, Dr. Patricia. Welcome, Dr. Patricia. Okay. Um, I'm not getting any sound from your microphone. So I'm gonna ask anyone if you have called in to please be as kind as to provide um, your name so that I can properly have you introduced to our listeners. And Warrior is Queen, Zipporah Thalman. Yes, welcome. I am. Wado, save the page. Yes. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you this evening? As I'm coming along, too. Grand. So I'm going to just temporarily mm -hmm. mute your mic for a moment, and then I'll reopen it. All I right. just want to. I just want to make sure that I can hear everyone who's on the call. Area code two six seven two six five. Your mic is open. Welcome. Yes. Okay, please give your name. Peace. This is Brother Amun Sinhotep Ray, also known as Bigger Dre, with the uh, Universal Kwanzaa Alliance, along with uh, Brother Robert Dickinson. He has a uh, Philadelphia Kwanzaa celebration 
here on December 28th, Philadelphia. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Invited by Dr. Patricia. Yes. Well, um, I want to thank you both for calling in tonight. Dr. Patricia is on her way. She'll be joining us very soon. So um, could you please re-announce the information provided because that's very important and significant for our listening audience. And if you can repeat that information at this time, I wanna make sure if anyone didn't get a chance to write it down, they had that opportunity now. Thank you. Okay. Again, my name is Big Adre, also known as Amun Sinhotep Ray. Uh, call with Father Robert Dickerson from the Universal Kwanzaa Alliance. We're doing our annual Philadelphia Kwanzaa celebration for 2019 at 5301 Media Street in Philadelphia, PA, at Shoemaker Campus Charter School. Uh, all of the seven principals will be represented, and it's a family celebration of culture. So we would like for everyone to come out and join us as we start with collective work and responsibility, uh, yeah. which is one of the, the principles of Kwanzaa. So, again, that's 5301 PA. It's going to be from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. We're going to have uh, vendors. We have a candlelight ceremony. Um, we'll have some educational entertainment. And uh, we'll be able to get some more information about Kwanzaa because a lot of our people, um, they're under the impression that you have to be of a particular sect or religion. And that's not, that's, that's far further away from the truth. You can practice any religion. Uh, it's just a celebration of African people's culture and the seven principles of Kwanzaa. So we, that information will be actually contained there as well. So we want all people from different walks of life, all African people to come and learn about their culture and seven principles that apply no matter what religion you practice. Beautiful, well-spoken, and thanks for that invitation. I feel very warmly uh, received and welcomed to attend this event. I'm sure everyone else out there who listened and heard this announcement it has made a note of it, and Philadelphians and those who are neighboring uh, residents as far as the Philadelphia counties, you're welcome to come out and attend as well as you just heard um uh this is an event that's welcoming everyone of all faiths so it's not just for a specific uh religion or um ethnic group per se but we do want everyone to know that we are celebrating heritage and culture but we're doing so in a universal i believe the word universal was used in a universal yeah. context right so thank you, That's thank it. you. Um, yes, thank you so much for calling in and and granting and I us just wanted this. to emphasize, emphasize it is a family event, so bring the children out. We have a, a, a young young man who, well, he, he's not a young man, but he's a little boy. He's, a, he's an author and uh, he's a, a motivational speaker. And uh, I believe he's like in the, the third or fourth grade. So we want to inspire our young people. Um, we want to create an environment where 
you can come out, but also you can have your, your, your children to come out because in, in our culture, it's, it's all about the village. You know, we had celebrations in African culture. The, the families are there. Now, nowadays, there may be places that you go to where the children might not be uh, permitted to go because of what's going on. But at this celebration that we're doing at the uh, Shoemaker Ch- Campus Charter School, the whole family, from the elders to the youth to the uh, to the teenagers, we want them all to come out. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's a family of fans that I feel that. And I'm happy. So, ladies and gentlemen, as you have heard, sounds accordingly, bringing the family, all generations. We're not any. All generations. We want our young people there so that they can, in essence, learn and and grow in this knowledge. And it can be incorporated within lives, things that they knew and did and practiced and embraced early in life that will continue into their adulthood. So yes, this is a wonderful thing. And thank you again for sharing this information. And we have um, a caller from area code 856. 856. If that is your area code, your mic is open and you are invited to speak. Give your name, introduce yourself. Thank you. Yes, my name is Bola Robert Dickerson. And Ray, he just explained. Thank you. He just explained everything that we need to know. I'm the founder, along with my wife, Juan. Okay. Give us the universal African dance and drum ensemble. Awesome. Awesome. We're excited. Everyone that is on the call tonight, I'm sure, has that energy spike after what we just heard. You know, this is a family affair. As for Kwanzaa celebrations and to be a part of something so special where our youth are going to be in front and in center. This is powerful. This is amazing. So at this time, I'm going to ask um, for everyone to just bear with me. I'm now turning the spotlight on to our special guest and our feature artist, Dr. Patricia, who has so gracefully arrived. And she's now on the panel and ready to start as for the interview session. And again, this is an exclusive interview session. All I ask is that if anyone would like to speak, that you will keep in mind that we want to ensure that this is done in a manner where everyone is well respected. So I'm going to let you know what you should about raising your hand. In the event that you would speak, you would simply press the asterisk key on your phone keypad, and then you would press the number two. That is how you raise your hand, okay? Again, you would press the asterisk key on the telephone keypad and then number two, and I can see that your hand is raised in the call queue, and then I can open your mic to speak, or I can just announce your name. So at this time, I'm going to ask that everyone will have uh, a quiet background. If you need to relocate at this time, please do so, because we are preparing to have our special guest. 
for this hour to take the mic. And at that time, we don't want the background sound noises to interfere with the listening quality. We want everyone to have a listening uh, quality experience that is free of any interruption. So thank you everyone for being courteous. I am now turning the spotlight on to our special guest and feature artist, Dr. Patricia, and I am rolling the red carpet as well. So she is the honored guest and we are paying homage to her as a queen mother in the village. We are acknowledging her as for her great work and we are for tonight going to be discussing the Africans rebranded Millennium Project, which has launched. And we are so honored that Dr. Patricia has given us a two week series. This is the part two half. And we will discuss again as the focus, my ancestors were not slaves. So Dr. Patricia, welcome. <laughs> yeah, my brothers and sisters, I am so happy to be on this line with you, and I'm so grateful that um, the brothers came before me and shared the knowledge that they did. Um, I'm just so elated that the universe would schedule things as perfectly as it has. I'm going to be at that event on Saturday. Um, and I'm going to make sure I provide all the details to you, um, say, so that if you wish to include it in the section that has to do with the rebranding, Africans rebranded um, Millennium Project, that's the work. We're doing the work. We've already begun that work. And so before I even share with you some excerpts, from a book that, an article that I wrote that was entitled Mischaracterizations, Mischaracterization of Africans in the United States, 1619 to 1865. Um, I, I'm going to share a little bit of that, but before I do, let's just pause for a second and acknowledge our ancestors. Yes. Thank you. I grew up in an environment where um, the Pentecostal uh, founder of this organization was an anthropologist and a scholar. And in the 20s, he did research and wrote a book that um, shared with the world that Jesus Christ was our ancestor, that Jesus Christ was not the being that we see um, with the thorns and the blue eyes and the, and the, and the um, milky white skin, and, but that Jesus looked like, more like, he looked like us. And um, when we talk about rebranding, can you imagine what the world would be like. Can you imagine the respect that we would give each other? If no matter what religion you say you are on this earth, 
that if you say it's founded on Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. that you were literally talking about not just a representation of who Adam and Eve were, but that Jesus Christ also was a dark-skinned human being. And that lets us know that this whole thing about race and this whole thing about superiority and inferiority it has no basis in nature. Because when you look at nature, you see diversity. You see flowers of all colors and shapes. And this is a world of diversity. I remember feeling uh-huh. inferior growing up in the segregated South. And I moved into Swarthmore. And I was so self-conscious that when I would approach people, I would want to say to them, Hello, I'm black. Huh. Mm-hmm. And then one day, wow, it occurred to me as I looked at my skin, I looked at my dark skin and I said, uh-huh. God made me. God made me. Yeah. And the earth from which God chose to formulate his human beings was an earth that research found in Africa. So we do have much work ahead of us, my brothers and my sisters. And it is a real work that we must make a commitment to doing. And it's an important work that we must make a commitment to doing because we have been given the opportunity and the responsibility to carry out that work. I want to just take a few moments to acknowledge um, Brother Dickinson, who was on the line before um, I got on. And I want to say that him and his wife, um, started that work through the arts in Camden, demonstrating to young black boys and girls the joy that was in their veins, the beat of the drum, teaching them the capacity to to reconnect their souls with their bodies and express ancient motions and dance. And from that, countless children were reborn into their higher awareness of themselves, and they were able to associate that with the colors that were all around them, the skin colors of others that looked dark like them. And I want to take this moment to say I was inspired by that. My son was six and seven. He was inspired. My daughter was 12. She was inspired. I want to thank this brother and his wife for the work that they and their family generationally, generationally, generationally have done, signaling Uh for me the generations of blessings. The end of the generations of curse 
but signifying for all of us the beginning of the generation of blessings. And that work that we are doing is critical to that, that work of saying and knowing and telling others with passion and determination. Do you know who I am? Uh, uh, uh. Being able to give examples of what that means from the core. Do you know who I am? And, of course, in that core is the I am that I am. Yeah. To say, do you know who I am? And be able to cite to people various expressions and demonstrations in every field of human accomplishment of what the I am that I am has expressed through African and African-descended peoples. Because without us, the world would not be as it is. It's our job to make that known. And that's what this project Mm. is Mm -hmm. giving life to, through the blessings of the ancestors in collaboration with my sisters and my brothers that are on this line. We are one. And all glory be to the one and only creator of all. Every good and perfect gift emanates from that one source. And so I want to invite people on the line to contemplate with me. We mentioned standing on the shoulders of And I'm going to take maybe two minutes or three to just name standing on the shoulders of and invite that there are others on the line to jump on and just share standing on the shoulders of. And what about that person that you're standing on the shoulders of that is the reason why they have made such an indelible impression upon you that you memorialize their work today by Uh saying who they are. So, Sister Elmer taught me about grassroots organization. Hilda Heron and Ethel Bonner taught me about service in education in Africa. Charles Harris taught me about publishing and the truth about who we have been in terms of books and writings. Uh Woody King, a Broadway producer, who taught me that I have the capacity to be successful in the arts. And those are the ones that I would like to share. And then I would like to pause, Sister Sage, and let you do your thing in terms of how others can be engaged in this as a dialogue. Yes, okay. Wonderful. Thank you as well. And we're still in meditation right now. And Dr. Uh, Patricia 
were you still acknowledging and did you still want for us to have that moment of silence at this time for another minute or two or shall we continue on? Um, we can continue, dear sister. Oh, yes. I, um, in the spirit of acknowledgement, I just want to pay homage to our four mothers, four fathers. There's too many for me to start naming them uh, one by one. But I do want to acknowledge the um, greats, and, and those are the legends. We hear their names mentioned sometimes, but we don't always associate their works and their names in the same phrase. But Aminotep, um, there's just so many. Um, Queen Tai, um, uh, there's so many as far as the patriarchs are concerned of religious orders, um, acknowledging Ibrahim, uh, Isaac, Yaakov, acknowledging um, those that paved the way for us here in this land. I have indigenous heritage. I want to acknowledge the chiefs and the, um, the women that were the queens of the villages and the princesses and so mm -hmm. forth that acknowledged uh, what is law before 1492, before the um, Europeans came and changed much, much of everything that was originally established as government law here. Um, and just paying homage to everyone in the village of what I call my community, who were the elders, who had a hand in molding me. I would not have come up the way I came or became who I am yet becoming, um, had it not been for the love, the wisdom, um, even the ones that people looked down on and, and shook their finger at and, and shook their heads and, and um, considered them the base or the low. A lot of them spoke wisdom in my ears and encouraged me to do things that were positive in my community. So believe it or not, every member, every member of the community um, had a special place and a special grace, which they did um, manifest and I know if it were not for them, I could not be. So I am because we are, I acknowledge community tonight and the unification of, of who we are as a people, the united spirits and energies and voices that make us who we are as a nation because it's in we, that we stand and we, not I, there's no individual. We are, we are community as a people. And I'm blessed knowing that. And so I do wanna pay homage to all my teachers, those who taught me, um, not just those who taught me in secular studies, but those that taught me just about who I am in terms of spirituality, um, who I am as for being a woman, who I am as for 
being human, you know, knowing what it means to be a womb mind, I want to pay homage to them. There's just so many, I can't just start naming names because it would take too long and we have a certain amount of hours <laughs> and minutes for this mm -hmm. segment of the show. But I want to pass the mic uh, to my co-host at this time because this is a special moment. We do uh, this quite often on the broadcast. We like to pay homage to the ancestors and to those that paved the way for us because we know without them, there is no us, you know, because we are because we, they are, we are. So I'm handing the mic now to my co-host, Warriorist Queen, Zipporah Thelman. Thank you, Sage. You're welcome. And, and tonight I wanna pay homage to my heritage of being Cherokee and Sioux Nations, the Red Road, and Turtle Island's original founding fathers, Geronimo, Chief Joseph, Red Cloud, and Sitting Bull. In addition, I want to add that uh, sometime before or during the publishing hour, I would like to read some information by Dane Calloway, the historian on YouTube, about the term of the origin of more. And that is all I have to say. Okay. Well, Warriorist Queen, if you would take the mic for just five minutes and then mm -hmm. I'll come back in. And you can share if there's anything else you'd like to share about Turtle Island and the ancestors. Feel free to do that and I'll be rejoining in five minutes. All right. What I want to say about the ancestors is that they showed us what to do, you know, the universal indigenous people about Turtle Island and how it was governed. And one of the things that they did was fought against the invaders. They came even though they died and they may have lost, but they tried. They were not going to let Turtle Island be conquered so easily. And in doing so, in their death, they left behind the blueprint of what to do that was purposely hidden, however, only for the descendants to find and continue. And in doing so, it seems to be happening because their energies were their footprints. And it's coming together to show again what has to be done in order to continue. Because as, you, as I learned in the game of chess, is that when you're closed in, the only way out is up. And unless you can fly, it's too bad for you. And so with the ancestors' energy, we have to 
go through and they'll just throw away and throw off and those chest pieces that are closing in on you. And that is all. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, You're welcome. I'm going to ask because we do have a uh, um, caller. We have a caller, uh, I believe the name Mr. Dickerson on the line. And if he would like to um, acknowledge ancestors at this time, you are welcome to do so. And thank you. Or if you have a positive that, information that you would like to give, that is fine. Thank you. Peace, Dr. Patricia. This is um, Robert's wife, Wanda. Oh, welcome, welcome. And Dr. Patricia will be on the next voice that you hear. And welcome, Wanda. Oh, okay. And we'll give thanks to the spirit of our ancestors always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I felt that love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we are welcoming Dr. Patricia back. Welcome back, Dr. Patricia. Thank you so very much. Um, I'd like to just share a little bit of the excerpt that I wrote. Um, I went to uh, West Africa in 2010, and I presented a paper that seemed to have been very important. Um, I was not the scholar that was invited. The ancestors made sure that I was there, and they made sure that I was giving a voice. Um, with the help of my husband, who spoke their language and was Senegalese, is Senegalese. And, um, and the message that I gave was my ancestors were never slaves. I was blessed that after that, I was invited to submit an article to a peer review um, journal published by a African um, who was the chairperson of the Department of English at um, Shape Anadote Yalt's name, Anna Yalt. I, I might have missed his name. And this excerpt comes from the article that was printed there. African men and women, girls and boys, husbands and wives, grandmothers and grandfathers, Fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, aunts and uncles, nieces and nephews, near and distant cousins were not inherently inferior. A long history of African achievement predates European invasion. Moreover, during the ending decades of the Antebella era, the so-called slaves with the backbone of the economic system of the developing British colonies in the New World. In the United States, the image associated with the word slaves is that of dark-skinned people bending over picking cottons 
on the southern plantation. But so-called slaves were involved in virtually every aspect of southern economic life, both rural and urban. They were engaged in the full range of agricultural activities, which included planting, raising, and harvesting of virtually every type of crop, as well as animal husbandry, dairying, land improvement, use and maintenance of equipment and machinery, and the construction of buildings. In addition, they were pillars of the soil, skilled craftsmen, architects, carpenters, masons, engineers, blacksmiths, teamsters, coachmen, gardeners, stewards, seamstresses, and nurses. More than one out of every five adult slaves, so-called, held preferred occupational positions, which involved not only more interesting and less arduous labor, but also yielded substantially higher real income. The cotton and tobacco industries in the antebellum South could not have existed without the uncompensated labor force of African males, females, and children whose contributions, skills, character, and culture are not encapsulated in the name slave. Furthermore, labor by outsiders or so-called slaves in the transatlantic trade, in the transatlantic slave trade, produced the coffee, cotton, rum, sugar, and tobacco, creating the impetus for world exportation in the 18th and 19th centuries. Thus, slavery during the pre-Civil War period played a key role in the economic growth of the developing colonies, producing enormous wealth for the insiders or the so-called masters. So that is just... um, a, a, a um, research, most of those things that I refer to are based on actual research that I have conducted and they, I cite uh, the sources that I got it from. Um, I'd like to invite anyone who would like to know more about um, Africans Rebranded uh, Millennium Project to, to visit my website www.2smilesforachild.com, all letters, 2smilesforachild.com, and and click on um, Millennium Project. And please go in and send me your name, and I would be happy to send you a copy of this full article that appeared in Cross-Disciplinary Boundaries, published in Senegal, West Africa. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Patricia. I'm going to ask if we have 
callers on the on the call in the call queue. If there's anyone that has a question about any of the information that's been shared thus far, any questions? If so, please state your name, then direct your question to Dr. Patricia. Or if you just have a comment and or remark, I see a hand raised, area code 856. Your mic is open. Um, yes, good evening. Um, peace, Dr. Pat and your guests. Um, this is Wanda Dickerson from Universal African Dance and Drama Ensemble, my husband, Robert. We just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity for us to share with our people about the culture. And um, we're having a Kwanzaa, our Philadelphia Kwanzaa celebration at Shoemaker Campus Charter High School. And its address is 501 Media Street, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. One nine one three one, and any further information it's on Saturday, December twenty eighth, twenty nineteen, and the doors open at twelve noon to seven p.m. and from twelve to two p.m. we have the black market where we want our people to come in and spend their money with the vendors and do some shopping and stuff. And I'll give you a number for you can call for any further information. In area code two six seven. Two two five eight two one six, and that number is specifically for vendors. If they're interested in vending, that's the number to call two six seven or any other information that they need. Two six seven two two five eight two one six, and that's my husband Robert or myself, Wanda Dickerson. So give thanks again for your you know your knowledge that you share with the people. In the spirit of our ancestors, I give thanks for each and every one of you that's on this podcast and all that you do. So thank you very much. Thank you. Beautiful. Awesome. May I say something? Yes, the mic is in your yes, hand. Thank you. I wanted to acknowledge um, the host of the event who was uh, who spoke so eloquently. Um, um, a young king, Bigger Dre, um, our leader, a young leader of our generation coming forward to take up the baton and carry forth the legacy of our ancestors. I'd like to thank the brother for his work and his diligence and his sacrifice and his humility. And, um, I hope that people will come out and support this event um, because Kwanzaa is the embodiment of the true principles that are African. And I have had the good blessings of going to Africa nine times. And I want to say to my brothers and sisters here that I did not find the collective consciousness of, of blackness there that we have here. And so in our missing home, we reconnected ourselves and Brother Ron Taringa put together, um, based on his knowledge, a pathway that reconnects us with the natural ways that we are to progress. And so it's not just about the words, it's about the actions and coming out to Kwanzaa, those of those that are not as familiar with it, 
as they are with other holidays, is an opportunity to learn practical day-to-day approaches to making decisions, choosing paths, and creating lives. So thank you for the work, again, that all of you are doing on the line, my brothers and my sisters. You know, I came up during the 60s. I was in um, the in at Washington D.C. at Howard University when um, he was known as Stokey Carmichael. Then um, organized us. We had our first African um, a, a queen with an afro who looked like a African American and. Uh, and so I remember us being in the A building, in the police, all around our buildings. And I remember the beautiful feeling of being one. I remember us taking care of each other. I remember us saying brother and sister, brother and sister. And it meant it. It meant it. We meant it. It meant something to us. And so today when we say brother and sister on this um, podcast, when we say it, I know the people that are on this line feel that connection to each other and to the work, and together we will be the instruments. I am confident as we continue to surrender ourselves, we will experience the presence of the power expressing through us, raising up the purpose and the mission for which we are driven. Yes, awesome. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And um, thank you as well for stating those truths. We need not forget that we are one family, though we've been dispersed. (laughs) You know, we're located on many different continents or on in different countries. We are still one blood. So there's but one love and we need not forget that. And as a family, we rebuild. And so we're here and we are reconnecting. We're reassessing some things. We're finding out what went wrong and maybe some uh, attempts that were made in years past that were not successful or why weren't they successful. We're reassessing now. And what we're doing is we're identifying where the problems are and we're troubleshooting and and we're getting rid of those things that caused us not to stay connected and i think kwanzaa is one of the keys of connectivity and if we continue with these celebrations with kwanzaa and with all the acknowledgments that we render all the ceremonies and and the rites and rituals where we are acknowledging our ancestors, we're reassembling ourselves as one again. And that's what's beautiful. That's what's amazing and super about us, you know, regardless of how, where they put us or where they drove us to, we still have this resilience, this light, this spirit, this energy that it's it's gonna keep coming back together again. They will never defeat that about us. And and that's a blessing. 
That's a power, that's a glory, that's divinity. And that's what reigns in each and every one of us. And if we continue, I, I, I love when I have those times with the little ones and I do the hand claps and we, when we're doing these hand claps and these dances, we're, we're, we're telling the stories of our ancestors. We're talking about our history as a people and to see the light in their eyes and to know that we're transmitting the older us, <laughs> the ones in my age bracket and older, that we're transmitting this wisdom, this knowledge to the next generation and they will carry it on. And that's a continuation of life. When we're telling the truths and, and the stories of how we came about and, and even different historical sites and rivers and things that make our people's stories, legends. And we tell about these truths and these amazing things that actually did happen. And the energy that goes out and to see how our children latch onto it. And then they mimic and they carry it on and they teach each other. That's what it's about. So these Kwanzaa celebrate, we have to come out. We've got to be at these events and do them as often as we can. That is the only way we can continue to rebuild and be strong as a community, as a people, as a nation. And then it doesn't matter what devices of genocide or whatever is used as a weapon to dismantle us, it won't work. Because at the core of us, we are one. And that's what they didn't want to see. When we're one, we're power they can't destroy. And we've got to remember that. So in everything that we're doing, in all things that we do, <clears throat> we've got to be about that. Staying connected, the connectivity, that's the energy, that's the spirit. And that's who we are. We're one, one blood, one nation, one love. And if we keep that growing within the hearts, in the minds of everyone in our community, the old, the young, the in-betweens. We can continue to carry on. We can continue to build and continue to advance. And things are getting better. I hate to, to, to entertain the, the, the speech of Descent. No, we're not defeated. Things are getting better with us because we're waking up. Our consciousness is waking up. So we are getting better. And now we're in a predicament, a mindset, a state of being where we can grow. And, and, and expand on, on a better tomorrow for us here. And we've got to keep doing 
the work as Dr. Patricia has done and all who have worked alongside with her have done and those that went before her who paved the way have done. We have to rebrand ourselves as a people again, one nation, one people, one blood. And this time with the rebranding, disallow them to dismantle us. No, we will not be segregated amongst ourselves. No, we will not. And we have to decide that. We have to make that choice, that mindful, conscious decision. We're one blood, one nation. And no, we will not wear a label any longer. We know who we are, and this is who we are, and we're united. We are not a divided, segregated people. And I believe as we do that, the strength of our ancestors, the DNA crying out will disallow us to fail because now we're in sync with the universe as a diaspora, as a one people, one nation, one blood should be. And we will not fail May this time. Yes. One of the points that you are making that is so powerful is that there is no division. That's something that was created. If we are the first people, if everyone is a descendant of us, then the one people that we speak of encompasses all people and by us taking this leadership to rebrand who we are we are creating the dynamic that children of all backgrounds and of all races will understand that they are part of us you see Mm. There were people who were, um, let us say, immature in their development. We were spiritual people. We made errors, and as a consequence of those errors, it may be that um, another people evolved in a manner that they went forward to gain control of the world um, and wanted to elevate itself above all other people. And, of course, if that was the case, how could we be ourselves in a world and not shine and not excel? And so the only way a people who were younger or less developed could have a sense of self based on the ego, which is not based on spirituality, but based on the ego. And we need to be very, very conscious of the fact that we did not teach the world, but we have been so vulnerable to things that came from the world that are not associated or that are not consistent with the spiritual practices, the spiritual truths, the spiritual essence of who we are as a people. And so that ego is where greed comes from. That ego is where fear comes from. 
That ego is where doubt comes from. And so a part of this journey is to rebrand our consciousness, to identify the enemy within ourselves, the enemy that says that we are inferior, the enemy that says we are not one because we have different forms, but to be able to look at a person and love them as you love yourself. Do what you would do for yourself for that person. Help that person because you know that as you help that person, you are helping yourself. That is what because we are I am means. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. For anyone just now tuning in, Welcome to the Exceptional Scribble Show. It is now 9.08 p.m. and we are continuing the exclusive interview hour. We are discussing part two of the Africans Rebranded Millennium Project with the focus, my ancestors were not slaves and the pioneer of the Africans Rebranded Millennium Project is our special guest. We have feature artist Dr. Patricia with us, and she is founder and director of Two Smiles for a Child. For those who would like to call in with any questions, the number is area code 867-292-3066-87-292-3066. And when asked for the show's ID number, that number is a six-digit number. It is 133 193. I repeat, 133193. Three, one, and when asked for a PIN number, if you are not a member of TalkShoe, you would press one on the telephone keypad, then press the pound key. Again, if you are not a member of TalkShoe, when asked for the PIN number, you would press one on the telephone keypad and then press the pound key. At this time, we are resuming the exclusive interview with Dr. Patricia. I'm gonna ask, we have the co-host with us, Warrior's Queens of Port Thelman. She is co-host of the Exceptional Scribble Show and lead facilitator of the Free Publishing Tips Hour. Warrior's Queen, if you have any questions, comments, or remarks, the mic is now in your hands. Welcome back. Warrior's Queen, Zipporah so Thalman. Yes, I'm here. Yes, if you have any questions, comments, or remarks for Dr. Patricia, um, based on information which she has shared, you can now direct them to her. The mic is in your hands. Well, I really don't have anything to say because can I, can you hear me? Yes, you're coming in loud and clear. Yes, all right. Yeah, because I heard feedback in the background when I was talking. But anyway, um, as I was saying, I said everything that uh, Dr. Patricia was saying about the connection, you know, it was uh, just a whole one word and then followed by the rest in detail. So you're affirming all of what was stated by Dr. Patricia. You are in agreement with her correct 
Yeah, about yeah, yours and hers. You know, both of yours together about you know the verso and the connection. You know about the uh, the whole um, people. You know of diaspora like coming together as one. And you and Sage, you said a correct. Um, I don't want to say correct, but a strong point to be aware of and regard and how you know it would like the opposition all would try to break it up. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, would you have a question about the project itself, Africans Rebranded Millennium Project? My ancestors were not slaves. Do you have any questions pertaining to the theme or pertaining to the um, dimensions involved of this project? or any concerns, anything that you would like more information about. Dr. Patricia is more than prepared. She is ready and eager to answer any and all questions that anyone might have. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks for laughter, Dr. Patricia. I would love to direct everyone who has any questions to the website www.twosmilesforachild.com Click on Millennium-Project. I I could just say that when we talk about the event that's happening this this Friday, the Kwanzaa, one of the purposes of the African Rebranded Millennium Project is, um, as I have listed it on the website, is um, we um, I just had it. And we'll just give Dr. Patricia. Okay. Yeah. Please, you can move on while I look for it. But essentially, us meeting and and sharing a knowledge is a part of what it is that is a part of what is needed in the rebranding. And so here we have Kwanzaa coming up, and we have an opportunity to really go in and and fellowship and, and celebrate and learn and go home and apply what we learn about Kwanzaa, the different principles until we see each other again next year. So anyone who wants to really get connected to this project, please do everything you can to connect yourself with the Kwanzaa program, such as the one that we have been able to share with you tonight and learn what you can learn. And maybe next year um, that perhaps you can set up your own kinds of celebration in your home. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wonderful. All right, this is our Warriors Queen. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Warriors Queen. All right. All right. So I do have some comments about what the topic and the rebranding. I'm looking at with the key words, you know, uh, Dr. Patricia, where you have rebranding. Yes. And yeah, so. Um, that itself uh, is true, is because of the, you know um, about the labeling, as Sage has said before, and that labeling, granted, it's confusion about who you know you really are, 
And when you that, that brand and that relabeling can, is destroyed, when you use your correct identity, you know, being indigenous, et cetera, wherever you are. And uh, and Sage, what you had said last week about you know Native Africans, they don't call themselves um, Nigeria, Senegalese, wherever you know their nation is from, wherever whatever their nation. And while we're on the subject, I would like to read that uh, I have found in a video. It's titled, The Origin of the Term More, Part 1, Dane Calloway. He's an indigenous historian on YouTube. And he has these two questions. Number one, are the people of color that reside in America today descendants of the people that were once described as more? Answer, two factors. One, what an individual believes by way of their personal faith in various religious doctrines. And two, what an individual knows by way of what they could actually prove realistically. Bain's further explanation, belief, a persuasion of the truth from 1828 Webster's English Language Dictionary, further stating, belief is a word that is used for persuasion or opinion when the evidence is not so clear as to leave no doubt, but the shades of strength and opinion can hardly be defined or exemplified. Hence, the use of qualifying words as a firm, full, or strong belief. 1828 Webster's English Language Dictionary. From, from the book's title, Persuasion, Social Influence and Compliance, gaining six editions. Authors Robert Gash and John Seater, spelled S-E-I-T-E-R. Persuasion definition, an attempt to influence a person's beliefs, attitudes, intentions, motivations, or behaviors. Second question, what is the origin of the term more answer? Refer mostly to people of the Muslim or Christian faith later on to find us having a dark hue and complexion, living in the surrounding lands and the Mediterranean Sea, and so forth. Quote, dark, end quote, does not necessarily mean that a person's skin complexion is literally black in color. It simply describes a person's hue as being different shades in color, which is realistically various shades of the color brown. The term, quote, more, end quote, does not refer to just one common racial group of people of a particular country or continent or even one particular culture of that matter. The origin of the word more with only having this particular spelling, M-O-O-R, can be traced back to the one of the many lingua francas that still exist today. Lingua franca literally means, quote, Frankish tongue, end quote, a language that is commonly spoken in Germany that eventually evolved into what is known now as Dutch. Example, Dutch paintings of Moors, also called indigenous American Indians, American Moors. Side note, quote, and then Morian does not mean Indians or Moors, end quote. And then Morian means in the Morian, translated from Dutch. Inden Morian is a historic cafe building that is located in the Dutch city of 
Maastricht, so M-A-E-S-T-R-I-C-H-T, since the year 1542. It has since been renovated into a museum. Look at the same picture I just showed you. It is actually a banner of an American Indian. Why, you ask? In the video, I'll, in the video I'll link above, I share detailed info about the trade between the American Indians and France, Spain, and Britain, etc. The trade consisted of our indigenous ancestors trading tobacco and more with these foreigners. Our ancestors were well-known tobacco smokers, so much so that the cafe predominantly sold tobacco and displayed images of what our ancestors looked like outside their front door. This image of an American Indian sits right above the front door. Nearly all farmers and domestic depictions of our ancestors display them smoking tobacco. And that's where I'm going to stop. Huh. Well, thank you mm. for that um, information. And um, now, Dr. Patricia, because I'm sure some people would like to know this, in regards to the project, will the project also incorporate um, an animation series which entails storytelling for children, for our younger generation, historic storytelling? For that, for the youth that are like our early childhood age group, or will it well, be literature, you know in literature form or video? I guess that would be the the full question. Would it be provided in books, which could be read as children's literature to our children, or would it be a video series? which educates them about who they are and so forth in, in like animation form. And that's well, just a, a question. The role, yeah. the role that um, the, the project would like to serve is to provide a resource of access. There are so many different um, projects, so many you know, so much that people out in the world are doing. There are videos. There's so much knowledge. And so the role of the project is to inspire people to make a commitment to, 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 to find out the information and inspire them to make a commitment to, to share it. And so... If you know, teach. If you don't know, learn. Each one, reach one. Each one, teach one. So on the website, there is a page that helps people to learn how to conduct that research online. How to, uh, and, it, and, it's, and it can be clicked on uh, in the website. Um, and opening that page gives you the ABCs of finding black facts. Uh, and I think the click is black fat. And so um, it's about us becoming committed to this work of knowing and sharing. And, um, of course, at some point in time, um, there are projects that I work on and I, and I have envisioned doing as a professional storyteller. And, um, but this particular project is so simple 
you know, it's uh, if anyone who wants to do and participate in this, if you have any facts about black facts, share them every day. I, I myself have to train myself to be in the consciousness. When I go out today, I will seek an opportunity to share a black fact and, and to do it. And, and, and to do it mm-hmm. and learn a black fact. So I make a commitment to share one and I make a commitment to learn one today. Mm-hmm. And as we make that commitment, we learn more and we share more. And we encourage the person that we share the facts with to also make that commitment. And if they say, for example, I don't know anything about black history, then you can say, well, Go on my go on this website www.2smileforachild and click on Millennium Project and you will find facts. And anyone who's on this line, you may see pictures you've never seen before on that page. How many people have literally seen little black children, a little African children squeezed up on a boat being brought over to this land? There's a picture of that on the website. How many have ever seen African children who were enslaved standing with an old African man who was with the children? Um, that is on the website. And if it isn't, I, I will post it there, but I, I'm not sure if I put that one in there or not. But these are the kinds of, this is the kind of information that I want to, um, I am envisioning a blog. I, I haven't made the commitment to it, but it will be on the same um, it's Dr. Giles' blog. People can click on that, and then we can have that dialogue that can be inspired by um, the commentary that I will make in which I will discuss a subject or I will invite people to share. Um, one blog may be standing on the shoulders of. Um, I have a page that I will make active again that's called Standing on the Pages of, and it highlights Alma John who was a Philadelphian, who was my mentor, who I talked about last week. So um, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be invited again this week. Uh, And and I'm just so grateful to be connected with kindred souls. Um, It's been very inspiring for me. And, And I'm just so grateful to have others on that journey with me moving forward, people who have consciousness. Um, My father is a full-blooded Cherokee that was born in Oklahoma, and I never had any interactions with him, my brother and I, except the connection to my brother. My brother did not know him either. But I feel that the nature of me, the spirituality of me, is what my father bequeathed to me. His last name was Hackett. Um, and I am so grateful to God that the Native American, the indigenous people, and the Africans created uh, a bond. They collaborated. Um, in my research, they say that in the South, the indigenous people taught the African the land, and the African then were able to be guides through the land. Um, And so these are things that the world has to be aware of. You know, this is the real world, you know, the world in which we respect not just our connection with each other, but we connect 
with um, our brothers and sisters, the air, the earth, you know, Native Americans, mm-hmm. um, the indigenous people understood the universe and um, had organizations um, that institutions, I understand that there was even um, a group of Native Americans that helped when they were trying to put together in Philadelphia, um, put together um, the new um, format for the for the for the form of government they wanted to have. You know, yeah. and so we have to do this research to acknowledge the truth. I am interested in going to the powwow that they hold in Oklahoma mm-hmm. during the September of every year. And Sister Sage, you and I can speak about that. You know, um, isn't that wonderful that we who have Africans, who are African descended and um, indigenous people on this land with a special connection and authority in the world, because the land that everybody's standing on are our forefathers and foremothers. Wouldn't yes. it be powerful for us to maybe have a small group to go out and attend that powwow in 20 or 21 or whenever? That's something I'm putting out there in the universe. Yes, we. I'm, I'm so excited and looking forward to it. I still have um, a fond memory of my great-grandfather uh, visiting him in Florida in Tampa, and he walked me to the back door, and he owned a lot of orchards in Florida. And he mm. walked me to the back door where you could see the uh, grapefruit uh, trees in bloom, and he said to me, I was maybe about 13 or 14 at the time, and he said to me, he said, um, you know, my grandfather came here from Africa, and he met my grandmother who was full-blooded indigenous. And he said, I favored her and she had waist length hair. And he spoke to me a lot about his grandfather. And this was my great grandfather feeding me this knowledge. And there was a lot of conversation he had about just the plants and the trees and and he always sent fruit. If we didn't come to Florida within a year, he would send us produce always around this time. So every time the 23rd or 24th would come every December, I would get excited, me and my brothers, because this big package would come to the house with all mm-hmm. types of citrus fruit. And we knew it was coming from great grandpa. So that was our Christmas. It wasn't about all the other stuff. It was great grandpa sending us a big produce package. So everybody's running and coming to the door. And look, did he come it? Did he come yet? So we were checking from the morning. <laughs> so those kinds of stories, things like that. And just knowing the connection. And then we found out we had the Seminole and the Cherokee. Mm-hmm. So it was the East Coast Band of Indigenous Nation. That's what was on both sides of my my father's side, his father and his mother. And my mother's side, the Delaware, the, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the Pata or something, but that nation on my mother's side, her mother's mother was full blood. So we had all of this indigenous and African 
um, heritage that we are still digging up and talking to the elders and getting pictures and 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 doing research and finding so much. So every time we can come together as a family, we just share about more of what we're learning about our tree, who we came from, mm -hmm. who we are. And so now when we celebrate and we know like there's certain uh, types of dishes that we fancy more than others to cook and season. So we say, well, no wonder we always like to incorporate mm -hmm. this meal. No wonder we wear our hair this way and the guys, hair is down their back too and they wear the braids and, and, and the plaits. And so, you know, your heritage and even with the music and the chants and the mm -hmm. drumming, you know, you know, you just, it comes out of you. It's your DNA. Mm -hmm. It springs out yeah. who you are. So you, you're never lost. It's a matter of mm -hmm. just waking up as far as consciousness and, and returning to those things, returning, it's the return. And I believe this was the year, this is the year of return for our people in general, even those um, in Africa have already announced it, the kings, the dignitaries there, and those from here as well, that yes, we are returning. We're returning to our our heritage. So in all things and mm -hmm. everything that we do is that love for who we are. Mm -hmm. And yes, our purpose in the universe. We have a purpose. We have a cause, a mission. We're not just here, you know, to haphazardly pass time and exist. We literally have a cause and a purpose. And once we are aware of what it is, we're accountable to fulfill that. And the whole earth thrives better when we are who we are, not who somebody wants mm -hmm. us to be. When we mm -hmm. do those things that we know it's natural to do, those things, those, those things that are natural, those things that heal, those things that preserve, then we have fulfilled the purpose. And it's a daily action. We're to each day know what it is. Why am I here today? There's a cause, there's a work, there's a mission. Fulfilling it, you know it. You have that inner joy, that inner peace. I'm doing what I was, I'm here to do. And if you're ever in doubt, I always tell people, talk to your elders in your community, talk to the elders. If you're ever in doubt, they already know. They know the way, talk to them. That'll help in terms of you getting redirected in your thinking even. So, you know, it's just about us returning to those things that made us who we are and that make us a great nation and loving the whole of who and what we are. That's so very mm -hmm. key, yes indeed. Yeah, yes, this is our Warriors Queens report. And I want to add uh, one of the discoveries about being called queen, and it's something I, you know, um, yes, that I never knew, or whether it was kept hidden. But I do remember when I was in elementary school, and a teacher had came out to the schoolyard on the steps, and she said, "Make way for the queen." 
Another teacher. Look at Yes, and so, and then the discovery with Sage that said last week about it being a law that if you were indigenous or more, you know, you, uh, you were royal. And you had said that before, Sage, on another episode that um, being indigenous meant you were of royal blood. Mm. I tell you, we, we, we hit on a lot of things tonight. And I want to thank Dr. Patricia for coming and doing a two-week series. And I just feel like we'll probably have to ever come back and maybe even do a three or four week because there's so much information that ties in with this topic and focus. But I, I want to say, just let me know. Yes, we sure we sure will. And I will be in touch with you because. I'm finding out there's powwows that are local in Pennsylvania mm. that are taking place, some bi-monthly, some annually, every six months, some monthly. So what I need to do is I'm going to get back to you, Dr. Patricia, um, within a week and have all of the locations and, and the affiliations for them because I think it would be so very apropos that we get connected locally as well to what is here for us as for those that have the indigenous uh, ancestry because there's meetings that are going on even in Pennsylvania, uh, powwows and all too, which definitely we should be at these as members of that community as well. So I will definitely be in touch with you post uh, this evening and up with updates regarding that, Dr. Patricia. And why don't you just say thank you again and what a delight it has been for me to be on this call with you and your, and your co-host. It's been wonderful. Um, I appreciate your receptivity. I appreciate uh, your warmth and it's, it was very invitational. Um, thank you. Oh, thank you. Humble things. And I want to acknowledge um, uh, the Dickersons, both of them, and them uh, calling in and being a part of the show from the beginning all throughout and just um, awaiting Dr. Patricia's arrival, the information regarding the universal, I love that, universal Kwanzaa Alliance, because I think that word universal is so powerful and it's something that we mm -hmm. need to use more of as a people whom have descended from the first of the nations of the earth as for humanity and um, all of the information that they disclosed and everything that was made mention in regards to Kwanzaa is so significant. This is definitely the year of return in so many ways for our nation of people. And we need not forget that. And just to know that there's this Kwanzaa celebration, it's for all generations, all age groups is family-centered 
I mean, this is powerful. And I did find out um, Eventbrite has the information for anyone who would like to go there. You can go to Eventbrite. And this is listed as Philadelphia's number one Kwanzaa celebration 2019 at Shoemaker Campus Charter School. Again, this, the date and time is Saturday, December 28th. And the time is 12 noon till 7 p.m. The location is 5301 Media Street, Philadelphia, PA, 19131. And we do want to, again, give a special shout out and acknowledgement to the host of this event. Um, I did mention um, the Dickersons, uh, Robert and Wanda, and we acknowledge them as Mama and Baba. And uh, we acknowledge they have Sister Gigi, Giselle Spencer, Queen G, and also Amon, son, Hotep Ra, and he's also known by the name Big Adre. And then there's uh, Sharif El Mekai. So we want to, am I saying that correct, Mekai, or is it Mekhi? M-E-K-K-I. So we want to acknowledge all whom are responsible as the host because it takes the right energy even to put something together mm -hmm. like this. You have to have the right energy and they have it. So we want to support them and acknowledge this event and encourage everyone who would like to come to please be in the place, be in attendance because there's nothing greater than all people whom have the same love, the same mind, and the same energy coming together. That's when greatness is evident and witnessed. And we don't want anyone to miss out on that. So to all, don't forget December 28th, Philadelphia's number one Kwanzaa celebration 2019. And it's at Shoemaker Campus Charter School. That is on a Saturday. It starts at 12 in the afternoon till 7. And the location is 5301 Media Street. And that's Philadelphia, PA, 19131. You can go online to eventbrite.com and you will find the information listed there for those that would like to go online. And thank you again to the Dickersons. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you for supporting Dr. Patricia. And thank you for your words and um, all of what you shared tonight. Every, everything everyone came to say or to, to share, it was truly essential. It was needed. And, and it didn't matter and what website. it was. Mm -hmm. And yes, Dr. Patricia's website, this is so very important, ladies and gentlemen. You can visit www. and it's the number two and the words no number. smile. Oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, two spelled out T W L. Smiles yes. for a child. Okay. It's two smiles for a child.com. Www. Two smiles for a child.com. And let's visit this site. She will have updated information from time to time. So 
try to visit it as often as you can. And there's just so much information there for us. Uh, she shares about, please, yes. Ask them to please join um, the membership to get into it. It's just like always, so give me your name and your address, and I'll be happy to add you to the, the um, mailing list to the, you know, to post you, keep you posted. Oh, excellent. So anyone yes. who goes on the website, please go into the contact and put your information, any comments that you would have about the site, any comments that you would have generally, and I will respond. My phone number is also 484-326-1841. Wonderful, excellent. Thank you so much. Well, I tell you, tonight, awesome. It, we started awesome with Dr. Patricia for part one, and we have ended on that same high note. Awesome again with part two. And we have a lot to consider, ladies and gentlemen. We got some more homework to do after hearing even more information that was shared tonight from Dr. Patricia. And thank you, Warriors Queen, for the information that you shared regarding Dan Calloway and the series that is on YouTube. And that's for those who want to know more about the indigenous heritage. Because, of course, we know we're not going to find this information out in our traditional schools here mm. in America. No. Uh, even Black History Now has been uh, barred in some schools, unfortunately. Yeah, I was. Mm. And it's, it's, it's mm. awful. Some teachers have literally lost their jobs, were fired because mm. oh. they chose to educate the children about their um the leaders within the community our our black leaders within the community past and present so we knowing this we we know what time it is in america it's not a good it's not a good thing you know and so mm. what we need to do is change the narrative what we need to do is command mm. by way of uh taking back that right you know, that was taken from us and start initiating changes to be made. Some of us are doing so on a grassroots level. Others mm -hmm. are starting their own. There are a lot that are starting. Mm -hmm. And then we have a group, they are homeschooling because of this. So mm -hmm. parents, just know what your options are and figure out which one best suits you. But we need to do what we need to do at this point because we can't have our children being lied to and fostering lies mm -hmm. and being encouraged to foster lies. Um, so what we're going to do is take control. That's what we're going to do. And the problem has, <laughs> yeah, the problem has risen um, in some of these instances because we gave our power to government. Yeah. We sent it mm -hmm. to them. We allowed them to take it. We've granted mm -hmm. them a right of passage to our children's lives as being the ones to make those decisions as to what they are to learn, at what age they are to learn it. No, there mm -hmm. are options out there, parents. You can 
make the decision as to what kind of education um, that you want your child to have, even as far as socialization. If you want them to attend a school, there are different kinds of schools. Um, there's even monitoring programs where your child has more of a freestyle of choosing, okay, it's a math day, it's a science day, um, and still learning all the things that they should know according to what the state's mandates are. So we need to know what our options are, first and foremost. So I want to encourage parents, if you haven't done the research, to start now. There's cyber schools, there's homeschooling, there's a lot of options. If you feel that your school is not providing your child with an enriched curriculum, as for what your child's needs are, then it's time for you to start looking into what are my options and know that you have options and know that it's okay for you to say, you know what, I wanna homeschool my child for two years because I'm, I'm not really comfortable with what I'm learning that the schools here are, are gonna teach them for these two years. So I think I wanna initiate this challenge and, and take it on and homeschool my child. I have a brother that's doing it now. And my nephew, Jakari, has um, ranked, he's, I believe, six or seven, he's already in advanced learning towards like what your sixth graders and seventh graders are, are doing on an average. So you don't have to go along with the program is what I'm saying. You can, invest in your child's education and, and do so in a way that you know your child is going to be enriched and what's best as for accommodations for them, okay? And, and I wanna encourage parents to just look into what your options are. And once you see something that you know best suits for what your child's needs are, go for it and just stay engaged. A lot of times mm -hmm. because of parents not being at meetings, and I can only speak from what I witnessed during the time when I was doing homeroom teacher um, as my career and profession, that a lot of times when there were those meetings for the parents to come or those uh, teacher to parent meetings or administrative to parent meetings, a lot of times we didn't always get the support of the parents. And sometimes when that's not shown, then the administrators take initiative and they start arbitrarily making the decisions for the children. And we know we got it out there. Parents, the guardians even, we've got to do something about that. We've got to do better. And if that means we step up and we start homeschooling, whatever we have to do, be willing to do the necessary things because our children are so worth it. They're worth it. So I just wanted to put that out there. And just keep in mind for those listening, Kwanzaa is a family affair. Bring your children. Don't leave them at home. Don't leave them with a babysitter. This is about them. They need to know and embrace their culture and heritage, and they need to be well-informed. So bring them out too, and let's support our black businesses as well. 
I did hear there's going to be a lot of black businesses represented at this Kwanzaa celebration on the 28th from 12 noon till 7 p.m. There's going to be a lot of black businesses that will be there represented and they will have tables. They will be vendors at this event. And again, it's Saturday, December 28th from 12 noon to 7 p.m. 5301 Media Street, and it's the Philadelphia's number one Kwanzaa Celebration 2019 at Shoemaker Campus Charter School. Thank you, everyone. So at this time, we are saying our um, peace and blessings. We will not say goodbye. It's never goodbye. It's only see you later. Hi. <laughs> And we want to say that to um, Dr. Patricia, we thank her so very much for rendering us the time that she has given, um, did two weeks back to back, and we learned so much from her. We're so inspired by her work, and we look forward to supporting oh, her. So grateful. Oh, well, we, we feel the same way. It's mutual. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It is mutual. <laughs> and we look forward to um, in the upcoming year having you back on. And we're going to do even more in support of the work that you're doing. We're going to continue to promote it as well and rehearse it in the ears of our listeners and, and use our uh, fan page on Facebook, The Exceptional Scribble Show, uh, to promote uh, the series as well this project as well and um everything just keep us informed and we'll keep our community informed about what it is that's going on and we thank again we want to thank the dickersons for calling in and informing us about the kwanzaa celebration that will be taking place on saturday we're looking forward to being there and we're going to keep spreading the word about it i just shared it on social media, on our event page, on Facebook, and on my home page. And I'm going to share it on uh, some other pages as well that I help administrate too on social media because it's important that we get the news, the good reports heralded and widespread in our community. Not enough of the good news is widespread. So that's where we come in programs like this and we definitely will do just that so let's not forget support our black businesses this holiday season there's so many that are up and running through the season into the new year and beyond so we want to keep them in mind uh we've been supporting the black by black uh 365 day movement We've been supporting them as far as remembering on Friday to only buy black, but we want to we want to make it beyond just a Friday buy black. We want to make sure that we're running it through this whole holiday season into the new year, and that we're encouraging our community. Let's start off going into 2020, supporting buying black, um, supporting our black businesses because we've done so little of it in the past so let's make up for lost time let's do more supporting of it of them because without us there is no 
businesses. We're, we are the ones that have to support our businesses as for our community. So let's do this, heart and soul, let's do this. So again, thank you, Dr. Patricia. We love you much, and we look forward to the next thank time. Thank you. And of course, we will talk very soon concerning the um, powwows that are local and getting that information out to the community as well. Um, and I'm glad that you shared about because when I, I, I tell you, when my great-grandfather mentioned to me about his grandfather coming from Africa, meeting his grandmother who is indigenous here, that's where I knew it's a marriage. It's a marriage. You can't separate the two. They became one here. They became one here. And the indigenous embrace and many times there were um, there's actual accounts and encyclopedias. I remember my parents had them in the home from a little child. The Ebony magazine had a series on this, how the Africans that came here, many whom escaped from plantations, the indigenous would hide them within their communities and they kept them safe. And so they, many, um, like they would, I remember hearing like the Blackfoot Nation and the Crow and certain ones that were really, really very dark and how they had that, that mixing and Seminole because of the African. And then I could understand better the Seminole when my grand, great grandfather shared with me about that story. I said, wow, so it's true. They came and they married the women and vice versa. Some of the, the um, women that came over were married by the men, the chiefs. And so we have that, those two as one nation. So I said, you know, something to be proud of when you learn these things about your culture and heritage, and you better understand who you are and why you do the things you do as well. So, you know, it's about love and let us continue to just be aware and stay awake and remain conscious. Very important. Peace and blessings. And now we're turning the, um, the program is changing to the free publishing tips hour from 10 to 11. And we'll have Warriors Queens of Port Thalman lead facilitator at this time and welcome warriors queen co-host of the exceptional mm -hmm. solution all right thank you and i want to say to dr patricia jomada gahani which means until next time in cherokee or nina we are yes and you can dr. carry patricia, on so there is she going yeah, she's, um, she had to leave, but she'll hear, oh, all right. um, yes, the archive link will be shared with her, so she'll hear it. All righty. Well, I'm going to start the free publishing information hour with my writing advice and discoveries, which are the following three pieces. Number one, write with focus. Number two, 
You've got to get to the state in life where going for it is more important than winning or losing. Author Ash. And number three, every day spend at least one hour of your day focusing on your goals. Dr. Jeffrey Gardier. I will now take questions and comments from three pieces of writing advice and discoveries that I just read. Um, repeat the first again. Sure. Number one, write with focus. Write with focus. Awesome. Um, I really appreciate that one in particular because I know I remember or recall hearing someone say to me before, just write, just write anything. Mm -hmm. Just as long as you're writing, it's okay. Just, just write anything that come to your mind. But now being more centered in my life at the age I am in my forties, I have to admit to this. When I write, I want to write with purpose. Not just writing to be writing, which could just consist of a whole lot of just scattered thoughts or a flight of ideas. I'm writing now with a purpose for a cause. And I think being focused when writing is so necessary because even with the work that I do professionally, I am a published freelance journalist. So as a freelance writer, I can get an assignment at any time. An editor can contact me and say, I have this writing task or assignment, and I really need you to um, work on this uh, article, to write an article and to interview some people as well. And this is what I'm asking you to write about. So I have to be focused to achieve that task. So having that as something that I do on a professional basis, it disciplines me so that whenever I'm writing, even casually when I'm writing, I have a focus. So I already know there's a theme, there's a topic that I'm gonna write about. And I feel comfortable, I feel secure in that. So, with that being said, I want to encourage others the same, that if you're not disciplined, how to do it is before you start writing, write down what your topic is. That'll help you to get focused if you're not. If you have a struggle with regards to staying focused when you're writing, write what your topic is. And then after that, discover what your focus should be what your focus is that's going to help you that's essential it's necessary and it's a positive thing to do and it's a way of disciplining yourself as for writing okay so i just wanted to share that all right thank you you're welcome mm -hmm. all right so i'm going to move on to the publishing information section. And here's a discovery. Publishing is about, can you do the work?
Okay, so publishing is about can you do the work? Hmm. Publishing from the aspect of the writer is or herself. Well, being in the uh, publishing industry itself, and um, I had, I had a yeah. That's what needs to be made known. We're coming from the aspect of the industry, not the writer. Mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah, writing is a part of it, but because it's uh, connected to the publishing itself. So, you know, the, uh, the author is the career that's connected to the publishing industry, which is about can you do the work? And I had, you know, thought of this when I had went to a, uh, a graduate school seminar and one of the representatives had asked that question because graduate school is a lot more work than undergraduate. And so she had asked, you know, can you do the work? Mm-hmm. Can you do the work? Now, when someone asks you, the writer, can you do the work? This is my impression of that. First of all, if I'm the writer, I can write. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming to you with a proposal. My proposal is my manuscript. And my manuscript is in need of publishing. So I'm coming to you with the manuscript. And my purpose for coming to you is I need my manuscript published. So can I do the work? Yes, I can. Now, my question (laughs) is, as the writer, I'm coming to you, the industry, the publisher, the publishing house with a need. I'm coming to you because I can't publish my book. You are the publisher. You can. Mm So can I do the work? Yes. Now my question for you is, are you going to publish my work? Because I already did the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great you know connection. Mm-hmm. And instead of industry, I wanted to use you know uh, business. I want to keep it simple as uh, possible for understanding. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So that would be right, the. So that would be the concern to me. Is my work mm-hmm. published, published, approved by you? Because you are the publisher. So I'm coming to you. Do you approve my work for publishing? That would be the question. Not um, can I do the work, but do you approve this manuscript to be published? And that question, the publisher has to answer. Now, pending whatever their answer to that might be will determine if I go with that particular publisher or publishing house to become published or did they reject it and meaning I have to go and seek another. And I want to encourage those out there who have gone that route. You have submitted your work for publishing approval. Maybe your particular manuscript did not get approved but I wanna encourage you in this regard. You were not approved, but denied does not mean that you can't be approved through another publisher 
or publishing house. So I want to encourage you to go and seek another. Don't quit. Don't think, oh, well, maybe it's not right. Maybe I have to rewrite it. No, go and seek another. At least get two to three times of, of, of submitting before changing anything. And here's why I say this. It doesn't have to be that your work is not good enough. It be a publisher, a publishing house, they already decided that they're only going to publish a specific genre with a specific style. And if your writing style is not that style that they're looking to publish, then they are going to reject you. That does not make your work not approving. It doesn't mean it's not good enough. It's just they're not willing to publish you because they have a certain criteria they're looking for right now. So go on, move on to the next publisher or publishing potential publisher or potential publishing house. Don't stop, you keep moving forward. So go at least, I would say, three times of publishing approval submissions, three times. And after you do that, then you know for sure if you need to change your manuscript. Other than that, three times. Go to three times. It's like if you were going for a doctor, um, you know, if you wanted to know if you needed to have something medically done, like a surgery or a procedure or something, you want to get second and third opinion, it's it's a lot of truth in doing that. And I want to encourage any and everyone out there to do that. Never go just because someone said they think it, they can't publish you because this, that, and the other. Say, okay, thank you. Move on to the next one. That's number two. Go to number two, hear what they have to say. They reject you, move on to another one for number three. Now, after you've had three times, you should have taken notes with each one and wrote down what they said. Any key things they said about your work, pro or con. And then compare, after you have the three, compare each of them on your time alone, do that review compare each of them and see is there consistency are they all saying the same thing then think about the saying a hundred frenchmen can't be wrong or thousand frenchmen so if they're all saying the same thing that's your confirmation you need to revise your manuscript now if they're all saying something different as a collective then i would say keep the search ongoing this time, go for three more tries and then make a choice if you're going to change it under those conditions because they're not all saying the same thing. So go for three more tries and then make a decision if you're rejected again three times. Um, time to revise some aspect of your writing and make sure you're taking notes though. Each time they're rejected, Whatever said, take notes and whatever, whatever said that has meat 
That means it's meaningful and it's a key ingredient. You want to write that thing down and keep note of that because that'll help you when it's time for you to revise. Because you know what to avoid or what you need to in, insert in your body of writing. So that's just some advice that I know would be helpful. And just keep in mind, you still have an option for self-publishing um, as well as traditional publishing, but we are encouraging traditional publishing as well. And we want people to do their own research and homework, find out what's best, a best fit for you. Okay, with what your genre of writing is, you can even go online and go to things like ask.com or Quora, which is Q-U-O-R-A.com. These are some uh, blogs that you can submit a question to and you can find answers. And they're well-versed um, answers. These are experts that are in, going to give you answers and people that have the experience and knowledge and the um, uh, certification as well. So you want to go that route. You want to be well informed about what all your options are so that when you make that choice and that decision is made and moving forward, you are sure about what you're doing. And that's all I'm going to share for now. All right. Thank you, Kate. You're welcome. Gloria Queens, the floor, the free publishing information show. And I am going to next read articles, which are three. And they're from writersdigest.com. Right. The first is titled, What's the Big Idea? 15 Writing Prompts by Amy Jones, dated December 13, 2019. Quote, what's the big idea, end quote, previously appeared in the January 2019 issue of Writer's Digest and includes 15 writing prompts and ideas for 15-minute brainstorming sessions. Every story starts as a concept a microscopic kernel of a premise that can, if properly nurtured, unfurl into a fully matured narrative in your head. But sometimes fresh ideas are hard to come by, and it's awfully hard to write a novel if you don't have anywhere to begin. We took it upon ourselves to fertilize your mind with these 15 tricks guaranteed to germinate, which means come into existence and develop in the definition a story in even the most arid, cerebral soil. The sentence starting at the word every in that head is the key one, and the sentence starting at the word we and ending at the word soil is the second key sentence. Try so X meets Y, end quote. A popular formula for enticing agents in a query this classic equation has traditionally been used as a marketing tool after your manuscript is finished to compare your book to other titles. But when reverse engineered, it can actually be used as a device for idea generation as well. Start by listing out some of your favorite movies, TV shows, and books. Then look for ones that are the least like each other. 
plug them into the formula, and you'll soon be getting odd combos like Raiders of the Lost Ark meets Back to the Future, Anna Carolina meets The Hate You Give, or Pirates of the Caribbean meets A Game of Thrones. Some mixes may seem dissonant, which means unsuitable or unusual in combination, clashing, and definition on the surface, but remember that genre blending is the future, as Paul Goat Allen asserts in Cross-Pollination, page 31. In fact, the more variables contrast, the more room for a distinctly novel story idea. Tyler Moss, Editor-in-Chief. And the word starting at but and ending at the word idea is the key sentence. Roll the dice. In an interview in the September 1997 Writer's Digest, Diane Ackerman said, creativity by its nature has to do with gambling, taking chances, insinuating, which means suggesting or hinting in an indirect and unpleasant way, in the definition, yourself into darker corners that haven't been explored. And the word starting at creativity and internet explored is the key sentence. In the spirit of taking chances, Roll two six-sided dice. Whatever number comes up where you can think of with that many letters, repeat 12 times. Incorporate these 12 words into a story or scene and see where it takes you. Take it up a notch by using one or more 20-sided dice and rolling 20 times. Just the forest, content director. Observe the world around you. In the October 2018 Writer's Digest best-selling Annihilation author Jeff Vandermeer discussed ways in which writers can position themselves to draw inspiration from the world around them. And the word starting at N-I-N and ending at the word them is the key sentence. In that interview, he said, I could right now learn a lot more about what's going on in my front yard in a way that might lead into character or plot or narrative. I try to be open to the idea that story is all around us. And the word starting at I and at us is a key sentence. So here's your task. Take him at his word. Go for a walk around your neighborhood and be wholly pleasant. How would you describe the way that leaf feels against your fingertips? What could that vanity license plate say about a character? Why is the neighborhood association so damn insistent that every house on the block has Christmas lights? Get out in the world and let the story come to you. And the word starting to get and ending at you is the key sentence. Tyler Moss, editor-in-chief. Look the script. As a young fiction writer studying Shakespeare, I was inspired to write a short story based off of Hamlet. Specifically, we discussed how Hamlet takes forever to act on his idea of getting revenge for the death of his father. In the very first act of the play, he is called upon to get revenge, but it takes until the final act, the final scene, of act five to carry it out. So I flipped the script and wrote a short story involving an instantaneous act of revenge via road rage. Remember, you don't have to flip the entire story, but consider the actions of one character and think, what if he or she acted in a completely contrary fashion? And the last sentence is the uh, key one. Robert Lee Brewer, senior content editor. Expand the quote. 
Make a popular adage or proverb the driving force of your story. A few examples include nothing ventured, nothing gained, better safe than sorry, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and all good things must come to an end. Choose one and either write a story that confirms the adage or proverb or write a story that seems to contradict that sentiment. Sentiment means a view of, of, a view of or attitude towards a situation or event, an opinion, end definition. If you'd rather use a line from another story or play or even a popular quote, do that as well. Who knows? The proverb or date of quotation may eventually turn into the title. And the key sentences are the words starting at right and ending that sentiment and the words starting at the. Robert Lee Brewer, Senior Content Editor. Fictionalize a real life. Here's an approach stolen from last October's 2018 WD, the for Writer's Digest interview, subject bestseller Curtis Sittenfield. Use the well-documented life of someone in the public eye, a politician, a musician, a movie star, and loosely based a novel in their biography. Sittenfield's book, American Wife, a fictional account of a first lady, was inspired by Laura Bush. Now she's working on a novel about Hillary Rodham, who historically rebuffed Bill Clinton's offer of marriage a number of times before finally accepting, asking the question, what if she declined his marriage proposals and then went on her own way? There are endless opportunities for you to do something similar. What if Hitler had been accepted into art school? What if Bobby Kennedy hadn't been assassinated? And because these prompts are only supposed to serve as inspiration for a story unless you want to write a fictional biography. You don't have to worry about doing extensive research. Just, just use your subject's life as a rough outline then change their name and alter their path where, wherever you see potential for lucrative storytelling. And the word starting at and in internet storytelling is the key sentence. Tyler Moss, Editor-in-Chief. Rip from the headlines. Pick up a copy of a newspaper or news magazine you don't normally read or head to the website of a newspaper from a city you don't live in. Read the headlines but not the stories connected with those headlines. Jot down the ones that are strange or unexpected or the ones that make you want to read the story below. Now create the stories and characters that belong with these headlines. Develop a world where your versions of the stories are all interconnected in some way. And the word starting at jot and internet way is the key sentence. Amy Jones, senior editor. Investigate stray facts. Try this journalistic trick. Reporters are always on the lookout for an original story, whether from an anecdote, which means a short, amusing, or interesting story about a real incident or person. In definition, heard at a dinner party or a strange detail from a documentary that they decide to investigate further. Use the same method to excavate fiction ideas. When I lived in Cincinnati, I took a tour through a series of empty subway tunnels under the city. They were from a mass transit project that was abandoned during the Great Depression. Certainly an interesting premise for a magazine piece, but also a promising start to a novel about vampires 
who freely move about the city under cover of darkness. Another example, after reading an article on the devastating environmental impact of almond farming in the Atlantic, I created a character who got rich developing a sustainable, which means the ability to be maintained at a certain rate or level, in definition, system for watering nuts. Such quirky plot points will make your narrative more unique and give it a foothold in reality. And the words starting at try and internet ideas is a key sentence. And the words starting at certainly and internet reality is a key sentence. Tyler Moss, Editor-in-Chief. Write a response. One of the age-old ways new stories are found is through the act of responding to another story. A few examples include John Gardner's Grendel about the antagonist and her road poem Beowulf and Gregory Maguire's Wicked, A Life and Times of the Wicked Witch of the West, in response to L. Frank Baum, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Anne Rice even wrote The Vampire Lestat as a response to her own interview with the vampire. These are overt responses, but many writers also write more subtle replies to and interpretations of the stories they loved or hated reading. Robert Lee Brewer, Senior Content Editor. Explore Library. When was the last time you went to the library? Bring a notebook with you and spend time strolling among the stacks. Choose a genre or topical category outside of the ones you typically write in and select a book you haven't heard of with an interesting title. Open each one to a random page and write down the most compelling sentence on that page. Repeat with three to five additional books in the same section or a different one. Which elements can you combine from each of these full sentences to form a new story in your genre? And the word starting in which and in that genre is the key sentence. Just the forest, content director. Why new things? Even though writing is the very best pastime there ever was, duh, is not the only hobby out there. The mind-stretching benefits of playing outside your comfort zone, take a cooking class, learn beatboxing, water skiing, will diversify your knowledge base and enrich your creative potential. For me, this technique manifested in a hands-on tree climbing lesson from the founders of the world's largest professional tree climbing company, because yes, that is a thing, in a magazine byline about the experience, but your adventure could easily be spun to flesh out a new character's background, craft a setting, or build a story premise. And the word starting a button and internet premise is the key sentence. Bailey Gentry, associate editor. Unlock your senses on a hike. In an 1890 journal entry, John Muir wrote, the clearest way into the universe is through a forest wilderness, end quote. Go on a hike. Preferably be somewhere without too many other hikers. Find a quiet place to sit somewhere you find beautiful. Sit on the ground and meditate for a moment. Close your eyes, sit up straight, and breathe deeply for 10 slow counts. Then tap into your senses. With your eyes closed, listen closely to the sounds around you. Touch the ground with your hands, feeling the earth and the leaves below you. Open your eyes and focus on minute details and rocks and tree bark. 
observe stillness and motion. Write down your observations and incorporate them into a setting for a scene in a novel or story. Even if the setting isn't in that precise location, let your characters experience their own surroundings with the same depth and detail as you have in yours. That's the forest content director. And the word started at six and ended at yours is the key sentence. Search news studies. Pull up your web browser and go to news.google.com. In the search bar, type in news studies. Scroll through the legions of recent results, and chances are you'll find a number of articles on new findings and reportedly groundbreaking research that can serve as excellent story starters. This is another technique I use to cultivate freelance writing ideas that's easily adapted to fiction. Doing so right now, I see headlines like, new study is the most successful attempt to gene edit human embryos so far. Sounds to me like that premise has potential for a sci-fi short story about bioengineering. Here's another new report. You can't work your way through college anymore. The article describes how the, high, how the rising cost of college tuition has made it harder for students to try to support their education while also working a job. That right there could be the concept of a young adult novel. A college freshman has to take on a bizarre side job to help pay for school, working as a personal assistant to one of the university's eccentric, which means, I'm sorry, eccentric, Benefactors. Eccentric means strange behavior. And the word starting at A and ending at benefactors is the key sentence. And eccentric is the help. Tyler Moss, editor-in-chief. Focus on the miniature. Sometimes the hard part of starting a story, any story, is the overwhelming sense of possibility. So put some blinders on and focus in on the microscopic level of your new story. Instead of worrying about plot, zoom in on the setting, a calm, foggy morning by the river that cuts through the city. Then on the character, a man emerges from the shadow, casting a look over his shoulder with a problem, followed by a very out-of-place black bear. Once you've got this small footprint, the fun part of investigating how we got to this point and sharing what happens next can happen. And a word starting at instead of ending it happened, is the key sentence. Robert Lee Brewer, Senior Content Editor. Meet your neighbors. How well do you know your neighbors? I lived in the same condo for four years, and I know a few names, a few occupations and pets, but that's about it. I often have groceries in my hand or am running out the door with no time to talk. But what if I did stop the chat? I might find out the older gentleman in the bottom condo unit is a former researcher, used to working 80 hours, 80 hour weeks, and is now struggling not only with retirement but with the effects of his work. And a word starting at is and at work is a key sentence. Or that the woman living alone on the second floor is surprisingly secretive about why she moved to town. Another key sentence. Not only will you get to know your neighbors, but you might also come away with an interesting story idea. Let your imagination run wild as you fill in the blanks. And that last sentence is the key one. Amy Jones, senior editor. Find your next big idea with 15-minute brainstorming. 
key words. Number one, set your timer for 15 minutes. Embrace what is called, quote, stream of consciousness, end quote, writing. Just vomit out ideas. Write about your premise, your main story, and or your, and or your antagonist. And stream of consciousness means a person's thoughts and conscious reactions to events perceived as a continuous flow. Number two, set the timer again. What does your hero want more than anything in the world? Write it out along with the main goal of the story and a list of personal and professional goals your hero might have. Fodder for potential subplots and conflicts. Fodder means dry, hay, or feed for cattle and livestock. And the last sentence is the key one. Number three, you guessed it. Set the timer again. What is your hero's biggest fear? What could happen to your character to make them face those fears? Do they have a secret that could crash, that would crash their world? A crucial desire or vice facing their internal wound is critical to their overall evolution in the story, allowing them to finally achieve their outer goal. Number four, timer set. How does your hero relate to people, her family, boss, neighbors? Who would they confide in or be challenged by? This helps flesh out your support and cast too. And the word starting to howl and end at two is a key sentence. Number five, reset your timer. List anything existing, I mean, pardon, list already existing conflicts in your hero's life that keep them from achieving those goals, both external and internal conflicts. This will help you understand where your character might be stuck and clinging to old patterns. Number six, timer one again. Find the potential conflicts that will arise as the hero perceives the outer goal. If you're writing a comedy, list the funny scenarios your hero could run into trying to achieve their goal. If a thriller or horror brainstorm the most terrifying obstacles that will make readers scream, this will help you get through the dreaded act too. And the word starting to if and internet screen is the key sentence. Number seven, list that timer and your characters is mine. How does your hero handle conflict? What would make your story different than any other story we've read? Your characters need to be complicated. Take them down the rockiest road. As Robert McKee says, a character is defined by their behavior under pressure. Think of situations that would crank up the pressure and see what they do. And the words start minds is a key sentence. And the word starting at tape and internet, the word do is another key sentence. Jeannie Violette Bowerman, senior content editor. The end of this article. Very good. Well, um, I guess the question would be, because I like how you had in your narrative um, what the key sentences are and key words. I think that's very essential to identify them whenever reading articles, because a lot of times it's the key words and the key sentences that give you the gist of what the article is saying. 
And it's very important to know, well, what is it that this article is saying to me? Because I see what the facts listed are. I know what the topic is. And I see the analogies that are provided. But what is the article saying in a nutshell? So you want to be able to identify keywords, key sentences. You want to even know, even as for the analogies, okay. Because with, with regard to writing, you have to consider genres of writing and styles of writing, which vary from person to person to writer from, to writer. So what's key is that you're able to identify what's necessary as for information, what's general as for information, what's specific as for the information provided, and what things pertain to you or your situation as the writer. And how can I incorporate the facts provided? How can I incorporate the wisdom, the knowledge that's rendered in this article? How can I incorporate it in my personal life as a writer? How can I incorporate it with regard to what I'm currently working on as for my current to date literary projects? So you don't wanna just read the article like it's a good story, just reading for sake of reading or just reading and saying, okay, what's next? You wanna read for understanding. You want to read and comprehend what's being said to the letter. You wanna know, okay, what is the gist? of this article because applying that knowledge is essential and if you can identify what the gist of the article is and what the key sentences are keywords then you can apply that knowledge smoothly especially in regards to the literary projects that you are currently doing or contemplating getting done. And it's important, even for sake of dialogue, like what we are doing right now. Um, so Warrior's Queen, I'm going to ask you, what stood out out of everything read? What stood out with you the most? Well, I would say that, let me get, let me go to it. I had noticed that there were several things that were, uh, that I saw in uh, one of my own stories. And one of it is uh, find your next big idea with 15 minute brainstorming. And it was number four. Time is set, how does your hero relate to people, her family, boss, neighbors? Who would they confide in or be challenged by? This helps flesh out your support and cast too. That was one of them. And then the second one, let me get to the notes that I had made. Because I had made, you know, um, a note about you know how it was connected to uh, the story uh one of my own stories so let me just get to it and then focus on the miniature and well, in the last sentence once you've got this small foothold the fun part of investigating how we get to this point and sharing what happens next can happen 
and I have my formula of plot, characters, and ideas. Uh, and then uh, the final paragraph of number seven, number seven's last sentence, think up situations that would crank up the pressure and see what they do. And it's in another one of my uh, same uh, different stories. And I was reading this article and I was uh, coming across, you know, the ideas and I said, wow, and I, I had to, you know, make a note about the connection of what I had so once again, I just let whatever is meant to happen, you know, do its job. <laughs> uh huh. Good. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm hoping in all things that we share, because we share so much information, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that we bracket the information into categories in a simplified manner such that those who are tuned in, those who are listening, they're able to process this information and it's not like categories. So um, what can you say in a, a, a in a word phrase about that article as for its usefulness to anyone out there as for a target audience. What what can you say? Just kind of paraphrase it in a short word phrase statement. The gist of the article. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. So I the last article is about, you know, uh, is another article on how the, uh, is teaching the audience, you know, how to write. Okay. So in mm-hmm. regards to composition, that's what you're seeing as the information disclosed in this article is helpful in that it's a step-by-step manual guide for someone that needs to know, well, how do I compose in writing? How do I compose a story in writing? How do I compose a fiction story? How do I compose a nonfiction story in writing? So it's composition that's being highlighted in this article. And I was going to add that it was a creative way of teaching the audience how to write. Okay. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Superb. Do you feel the article right. did the job effectively? Wait, can you repeat that? Do you feel that the article did that job effectively? Oh, yes, it did, especially when I was uh, finding that I had already, um, the article I had written, and there was the connection. Mm-hmm. Now, as for someone that's a um, novice as a writer, do you think this is an article that is a good one for them to refer to? 
for guidelines. And now what, all right, now what, all right, now what do you mean by novice? Meaning it's, it's new for them. A novice wouldn't be expert. This is still new. They're not even an intermediate level yet. Oh yeah, this was all right. This, uh, well, thanks for the explanation. So this article is definitely be a uh, introduction, you know, for a novice. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, now, as for someone that loves to write, they're passionate about writing. Do you recommend the article to them? as a good reference yes because they will learn you know new things and then review what they are and um let me put it this way they will learn new things and then find things they already know as a review for them very good okay so what i'm going to ask mm -hmm. you to do is restate to everyone the title of the article um where this article is located if it's located in the journal magazine what have you okay if you can provide that thank you all right sure so the article is titled what's the big idea 15 writing prompts and it's found at writersdigest.com so you can just go to writersdigest.com and then click on the topic and you'll find the article Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. All righty, so I'm looking at the time, it's 1044. So I'm going to read the second um, article also from writersdigest.com and it's titled yes. Vintage WD. Isabel Lindy's June 2002 WD interview by Amy Jones dated December 12th 2019. This vintage WD interview from June 2002 features novelist Isabel Allende sharing her approach to starting a new novel, both in terms of the actual schedule and the feelings and stories behind the idea for the book. And I would say that's the key sentence feelings and ending at the word book. In the June 2002 WD interview, what a rhyme. Novelist Isabel Allende shared the method she takes for starting each new novel with then features editor Kelly Nickel. It's an interesting approach in both its pragmatism, which means thinking of or dealing with problems in a practical way rather by using theory or abstract principles in definition of keeping to a schedule and its superstition. Alinde's new novel, A Long Petal of the Sea, is out this January. For more of Isabel Alinde, read her 2008 interview with WD. And the word starting at it and ending at January is the key sentence. Julian author Isabel Alinde has spent much of her life living on memories, memories of her homeland and of loved ones lost. As a relative of Chilean president, Salvador, Lende, she was forced into exile when he was overthrown during a 1973 coup. A coup is an overthrow of the government. In definition, away from her country and much of her family, Alende began writing to remember her life and the lives of those she loved. And the word started as an internet love is the key sentence. 
10 books later, including such bestsellers as Daughter of Fortune, a 2000 Oprah pick, and Paula, a memoir written in 1994 for her dying daughter, Alende has developed an almost ritualistic love for the writing process. And the words starting at Alende and ending the process is the key sentence. She begins each book on January 8th, the same date she began work on her best-selling debut novel, The House of the Spirit, more than 20 years ago. That's a key sentence. It's a superstition, but it's also discipline, she says. That's a key sentence. I really need to organize my life around the writing, so during the first months of the year, I don't travel, I don't have any social life, I don't lecture anywhere, I just write. And that is the last sentence is the key one. Those intense first months are marked by repetition and progress. Key sentence. The 59-year-old author gets up each morning, has a cup of tea, and then adjourns to her office, a little house in the backyard of her San Francisco home. She lights a candle to, to quote, have inspiration in the spirit's info and begins her work. Aside from an occasional afternoon walk, Alinda writes until dinner, and at night when she sleeps, she returns to her characters in dreams so vivid that they often influence the novel's course. And the words are in a she and in an course is a key sentence. As for outsiders, they are not welcomed into her writing room. They may disturb the world she's working to create. That's a key sentence. I try to keep my space very, very contained because I feel that inspiration and the spirits and the story and the characters live there for as long as I'm writing, she says. Writing is a very quiet and slow process. It is very much like meditating. When you go into the space of the writing and you enter that universe of the novel, you start seeing connections. You have all the threads in your mind somehow. And the sentence starting at the word, the word starting at I and then somehow is the key sentence. She wasn't always so meticulous about her writing space, though. The House of the Spirits, which began as a letter to her dying grandfather, was writing from her kitchen. Living as an exile in Venezuela at the time, she spent her days working as a school administrator in her night's writing. Closets, cars, and coffee shops also have served as makeshift writing spaces. And the words starting at done and ended at spaces is a key sentence. I can write anywhere, really, she says. The idea is that if you really want to do something, it's like making love, you know, you did it behind the door. And the words starting at the and in that door is the key sentence. The years she spent in exile have had an, and had an indelible, which means of ink and pen, making marks that cannot be removed in definition. On the author's fictional creation, let me read that. The years she spent in exile have had an indelible influence on the author's fictional creations. Much of Alinde's work is autobiographical, with the eccentric family members playing various roles in real-life events, such as the military coup, shaping plot ideas. And the words starting at the and internet lines is the key sentence. In addition to our autobiographical writing style and seamless Stream of consciousness, here we go again, close. Alende's novels are known for their invoking first lines, which will grab the reader by the neck, end quote, and hold him until the end. And invoking means 
sight or appeal to <coughs> pardon me, someone or something mm-hmm. as an authority for an action or in support of an argument. And the word starting at stream and end at end is the key sentence. I always try to write the beginning of the book in a very organic way that comes more from the heart or from the womb than the mind because that sets the tone for the rest of the book, she says. That's a key sentence. It's like a door that opens into the dark space where the novel lives. And slowly, day by day, I sort of illuminate that darkness and bring out the characters. When it comes to endings, however, the author's technique is less defined. She simply gives up and trusts in the story to reveal its own ending. And uh, that's a key sentence. That happened with my novel, Daughter of Fortune, she says. I wrote the story, and one day, the last sentence was, I am free now. The next morning, I came to finish the book to write the last chapter, and when I opened the computer and read that sentence, I realized that, that I realized that that was the end of the book, that it didn't need the last chapter. This is the key sentence. For an author who trusts in the spirit for guidance and embraces the unexplainable mysteries of life, not even dreams can be discounted. Alinde says she's been recording her dreams for years and is now able to recognize the symbolism as it relates to her work. That's the key sentence. I dream of babies when I'm writing and only when I'm writing, she says. So I know that the book is a baby, and what happens to the baby in the dream is what is happening to the book in real life. And the word starting at so and ending at life is the key sentence. If I dream the baby is crying in old man's voice, then I have to revise the narrative voice in my book because there's something that is not working that I have not noticed and I'm awake is a key sentence. So much mysticism, which means, the practice of religious ecstasies together with whatever ideologies, ethics, rights, myths, legends, and magic may be related to them in the definition. Finds its way into Alinde's novels that critics have deemed much of her work magic realism. <clears throat> <Pardon me. clears throat> Although she insists this applies to only a few of her novels. Instead, she says it's her openness and life as a, quote, wanderer, end quote, that contribute to the otherworldly context found in her novels. The key sentence. I find that my stories have a sort of epic breath, breath, spelled B-R-E-A-D-T-H, to them because I'm not very local. It's hard for me to write a very intimate story that happens between two people in a house, she says. All my novels have this. They incorporate social issues, political issues, feminine issues, and the words starting at all and ending at issues, the key sentence. Her years as an exile may inspire the expansive flair her novels possess, but Alinde says it was her, quote, unhappy, end quote, childhood that first sent her into the realm of make-believe. And it's only for those lonely years that writing out acts as a sort of joyful therapy and the words starting at Alinde and therapy is the key sentence. I think the first six years of one's life are very important. You carry with you for the rest of your life the feelings and many of the events and memories from that time. Even if you don't remember exactly, it's inside you, and that shapes you as a person later. And the words starting at I and ending at later is the key sentence. I had a very solitary childhood. 
I was always scared. I have tried to exercise all of my demons from childhood in the process of writing to recreate the memories that may have been lost. That's the key sentence. Letters also have letters also have shaped Alinde's life as a writer. That's a key sentence. Each day, she and her mother, who lives in Chile, exchange letters via fax or mail. Emails practicality, she says. Practicality means the aspects of the situation that involve the actual doing or experience of something rather than theories or ideas. End of definition. Is detrimental to the art of writing. People write emails the way they talk on the phone. There's no concern for language or for meaning or for anything. And the words starting at people and internet, anything is the key sentence. My mother has a closet full of my letters, 45 years of letters in Chile, and I have her letters here. It's like keeping a journal, but somebody's reading it, so there's a witness to your life, which is very important. Order your copy of Isabel Lindy's newest novel out in January 2020. As for her latest project, which she started on January 8, 2002, Lindy's working on the second book of a young adult trilogy. The first, The City of Beasts, will be released in the United States in October. While she finds the young adult genre inventive in many ways, she looks forward to returning to her first novel, her first love, pardon me. The last sentence is a key one. There's something about the richness of the language of a, for an adult novel that you cannot do for kids, she says, and the words starting at there's an internet, kids is a key sentence. With children, if you go too much into adjectives and long sentences and whatever, they get bored. And the words starting at with and in that bored is the key sentence. Another limitation is that you don't use sex, so there's a whole aspect of life that's not included. That is not included, pardon me. Spirits and magic aside, it's dedication and talent that have brought the author so much success. And the words start at spirits and success is the key sentence. And fueling the many hours she spends alone in a room with a computer and burning candle is her love for the creative process. And the words starting at and, and the internet process is the key sentence. Writing is like training to be an athlete. You have to do it every day. No one sees the training, but it's necessary. You have to read a lot and then write one good page a day. Get up earlier, skip lunch, go to bed later, but just write that good page. And by the end of the year, you have 365 pages. That's a book. People think that they will sit down and produce a great American novel in one sitting. It doesn't work that way. That, this is a very patient and meticulous, which means very careful work. And you have to do it with joy and love for the process, not for the outcome. And the words start that people and then the outcome is the key sentence. The end of this article. Well, very, very, very informative. Would you agree that article? Yes. And I saw how it connected with the first article that I read about the 15 uh, uh, writing prompts and how that stream of process and the stream of consciousness was in it. It's like, wow. Mm -hmm. And what stood out for me in this article 
Uh, Isabel Lennox article is when is uh, the sentence where she said, I wrote the story, The Daughter of Fortune, and one day the last sentence was, I am free now. And that was all she needed. And it seems like she had wrote the story backwards and then forward. Mm. So in terms of composition mm. process, sometimes starting at the end and moving to the beginning is the right process. Yeah, and uh, when also it was it the article, like when the story, basically, you can put it this way, that like the story writes itself. So um, what would you suggest then for those novice writers? These are the newbies. They're just writing a manuscript. They haven't been writing long. They don't have any works published yet. What would you suggest based on that article are the best key concepts for them to consider? Well, I would suggest you say keep just write that story that you're getting your beginning, and so you just have to uh, once you started writing those words, you know, you just keep writing until you get the story written, and then let that story put itself in order. Let the story put you know, itself in order, but keep writing. Yeah. I hear you. Good advice. Yes, and also the newbies are learning as they write. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm. Yeah, because the, uh, the published authors. Mm. Go ahead. I'm kind of echoing some of what you're saying, just so people hear it loud and clear. The newbies are learning as they write. Yeah. You can. What'd you say? You can continue. Keep on. Um, all righty. So that was in the article. And here's the, uh, the third and final article, also from writersdigest.com. It's titled Force Proximity 50 Reasons for Your Characters to Be Stuck Together. And I found this to be funny. And it's written by Brian Donovan, so B R Y N, dated December 18, 2019. Add believability to your romance story ideas with 50 legitimate reasons for them to be stuck together from Hallmark Publishing Editor, Ryan Donovan. When I read romance novel submissions in my day job in publishing, pardon me, when I read romance novel submissions in my day job in publishing, I come across many that are well-written but are missing a strong reason for the two main characters to see each other a lot. They just keep randomly bumping into each other. Many strong romance story ideas and plots provide a reason for the characters to be together, even though each person has a good reason not to get involved with the other. In some cases, they don't, like, they don't even like one another, at least at first. 
This creates the kind of romantic tension that keeps people reading. When circumstances, keyword, throw characters together is often referred to as, quote, forced proximity, end quote, although some people reserve that term to refer to a specific romance novel trope, which means a figurative or metaphorical use of a word or expression in definition, in which characters are stuck together in close quarters, having no choice but to share a hotel room, for example. Interaction is a key element in plotting a romance. When you solve the problem of, quote, how can I force my characters to be together a lot, end quote, the rest of a romance plot falls into place a lot more easily with fewer plot points that feel forced or strained credulity, which means a tendency to be too ready to believe that something is real or true, end definition. We have plenty of opportunities to see their relationship and their attraction develop, and it's much easier to create a convincing HEA, happily, the happy ever after, as we say in romance. Force proximity can be important in other genres, too. If you're writing about friendship or about enemies or rivals, you will likely need good reasons for two characters to be together for long periods of time. And if you have any kind of romance subplot in your novel, regardless of genre, forced proximity can work for you, too. And that's a key sentence starting the word if and in and at, too. Here are 50 reasons why your characters might be stuck together. Some of them are lighthearted and some of them are dire, which means extremely serious or urgent, in definition. Please note that relationships in which one character has a lot of power over the other can be ethically, which means in a way that relates to moral principles, in definition, tricky for romance. And the last sentence is the key one. Here's the list to enhance your romance story ideas. Pen or bookmark a page and it'll always be handy. Number one, they've been sent on the same business trip. Two, they've been assigned to collaborate on the same project at their office or at school. Three, they're strangers sitting next to each other on a plane that gets delayed on a tarmac, which means the runway, in definition, for hours before a long flight. Four, they're guests at the same bed and breakfast or vacation rental. Five, they have staterooms next to one another on a cruise ship or a spaceship. Staterooms are a captain's or superior officer's room on a ship. Six, they're flight attendants on a plane or one is a flight attendant and the other is a pilot. Seven, they're live-in servants at the same lavish estate. Eight, they're the only two employees on a night shift. Nine, one of them is a servant or personal assistant of the other. Ten, one of them is a bodyguard for the other. Eleven, they're a singer and an accompanist, a conductor and a musician or in a band together. Twelve, they've been cast in leading roles in the same play or movie. Thirteen, one of them is a tutor or a personal trainer for the other. Fourteen, one of them is a teacher or coach of the other one's child. Fifteen, they're training for a team sport. Sixteen, they're in the same military unit. Seventeen, both of them are spies sent on the same mission. Eighteen, one of them is a spy charged with getting close to the other. Nineteen, they're prisoners in the same room or cell. 
20. One of them is the prisoner or hostage of the other, and that's called the Stockholm Syndrome. 21. They've been stranded on a deserted island or a deserted planet. 22. They're snowed in, trapped after an earthquake, or hungered down after a nuclear blast. 23. One of them is doing a major construction project or renovations for the other. 24. One is the other's real estate agent. 25. They claim ownership of the same property and are both staying there while it gets sorted out legally. 26. One of them is investigating the other, either as a journalist or as a detective. 27. They're both investigating the same case or the same mysterious event. 28, one of them is a painter or a sculptor, and the other is a model. 29, one of them has a complicated medical issue, and the other is a doctor or a nurse. 30, one of them is the caretaker or a nurse for the other's elderly parent. 31, they volunteer at the same nature center or community food bank. 32, they own shops next door to each other or across the street from each other. 33, they're both members of the wedding party. 34, their children or their parents are getting married to one another. 35, one is a lawyer representing the other in a court case. 36, one of them is the translator for the other. 37, they both learn that they've been cheated by or are being blackmailed by the same person and they band together to seek justice. 38, they're in the same cult and they both want out. 39, one of them is a magician and the other is the assistant. 40, they're contestants on a reality TV show. 41, one of them is the director of a funeral home and helping the other plan a memorial service. 42, one of them is the guide on a multi-day group tour and the other is a tourist in the group. 43, they're part of an archaeological expedition out in the desert or deep in the jungle. 44, they're in a research station in Antarctica. 45, they're camp counselors. 46, they're servers at the same restaurant. 47, one of them tends bar and the other is a cocktail waitress at the same club. 48, they're on the same planning committee for an event. 49, they are both working on the same political campaign. And 50, they're conspiring in an uprising of mutiny, which means an open rebellion against the government. End of definition. Most of the ideas in this list can play out in many different ways, and just reading over a list like this can often spark other ideas. I hope you find some inspiration here. Thanks for reading, and happy writing. Consider seven clever ways to harness coincidences with this WD post from Stephen James. Get more story ideas with Brent Donovan's writing prompt book. Found an indie bound one million Amazon. Learn more about what it takes to write a romance novel with this writer's digest university course. Find out more about when this class is offered and how to register here. The end of this article. Awesome delivery. Well, it's about that time again. It looks like we're going to be uh saying Bonnie Nui that's French mm-hmm. for good night. Um saying 
Um, buenas noches. That's good night in Spanish. And just saying, um, Belle Nore in Italian, it's a beautiful night. So I hope that everyone's enjoying their night. This is the eve of, for those that celebrate Christmas, this is that eve before that day, December 25th. And for anyone that doesn't know, there is a special, special, um, I believe it's on December 26th, and I want to share this because it's it involves science. And I don't want anybody to miss out. Um, just bear with me because I'm going to be reading this. But I did want to make sure I shared this with everyone tonight. I believe it's on the 26th. Yes, breaking news. A rare Christmas eclipse will be visible on December 26th. And this rare Christmas eclipse will illuminate the sky with a ring of fire. And that's the way it's gonna look like a ring of fire. It's beautiful. I see they have an actual picture of what that looks like online. You can look it up. It is called a partial annular solar eclipse. Again, it is a partial annular solar eclipse. It will light up the sky with the ring of fire on December 26th. And I'm going to share some more facts about that. And annular solar eclipse occurs when the moon is relatively small in the sky and passes directly across the sun, but fails to cover it. And when that happens, you see what looks like a ring of fire. It's gorgeous. So I just wanted to mention that. And if you go online, you will find it. They'll even let you know what time you look at it in the sky. And um, from what I've been told, it only lasts for maybe three to five minutes or three and a half minutes. So when it appears, you wanna be outside having your binoculars to look at that. Um, they do recommend that you wear those special glasses that everyone wore. I believe it was last year when we had, it was an actual full total eclipse. Um, and we were able to see it outside. I remember I was on the job and everybody, they was passing the glasses around <laughs> to look at it. And that was something. So I wanna encourage everyone, if you're available, don't forget December 26th, the ring of fire, you wanna see that a, it's an annular, e, an annular solar eclipse. It's when, the moon is relatively small in the sky and it passes directly across the sun, but fails to cover it. So it won't cover it fully. And that's how you're able to see what looks like a ring of fire in the sky. This is awesome. So I wanna encourage everyone, December 26th, which is on Thursday, make sure that you're looking up and you can go online to find out what time to look up so you, so you don't miss it. I believe the next one is um, 2021. I think the next one will be sometime in 2021. So this is a must see for all who can. And peace, goodwill, blessings of life, good health and prosperity to all families, to everyone. 
And for those that have a wish list, I do pray best wishes to you and your loved ones, hoping that you get everything that you're hoping and wishing for. I know I have my wish list already in my heart. I haven't written it out. And it's already begun as for things being fulfilled. And I want to thank all who have been keeping me and my loved ones in prayer since the transition of my mom, which happened this year in on July the 26th. And we've um, we've just been, you know, you manage. And it's been a blessing because we're spiritual people. So everybody's been kind of lifting each other up, praying, praying for each other, um, encouraging each other. It's been a blessing having loving and supporting family and friends. I want to thank um, Warrior's Queen. She's been there in my corner and just encouraging me and my family from the beginning. And um, the blessing is my mom now an ancestor. I talk to her even more now. <laughs> And I know she's listening and always there like a guiding spirit to just encourage me in doing what I know is the right thing. So I'm glad I have her inspiration and motivation and also her spirit lives on and she's always encouraging me and my spirit to do what's best. So I'm looking forward to a year of Fulfilling goals in 2020, that's my aim, to fulfill goals in 2020. So a lot of projects that I had on the shelf, I'm going to take them off, dust them off, and just finish them. It's a year of finishing. That's great. Um, new beginnings, but finishing some old assignments that need to be fulfilled and completed. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that, getting things done in 2020. Starting the year off, pounding the pavement, not idle, being busy, working, working, working. Like they say, keep your nose to the grindstone. To me, that sounds harsh. <laughs> Having mm -hmm. your nose to the grindstone, that don't feel good. But um, we got to stay in the grind, Warrior is Queen, and we're looking forward to some, we're going to have some more exciting guests coming on and sharing perspective with us and talking about what they do that's community center and community-based and how it ties in with the arts so we're going to have we have a, a very good year ahead of us looking forward to what 2020 has to offer and next tuesday actually is the last day it's new year's eve new year's eve next Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So from 8 to 11, and we're going to stop exactly at 11 so everybody can have their 11 to 12 a.m. time with family and bringing in the new year. But we're going to do our 8 to 11. And um, we're looking forward to bringing in the Eve right with you, all our listening audience. Don't forget now, we'll be coming to you live on New Year's Eve from 8 to 11. And um, you can call in. The number is 867-292-3066. I repeat, 867-292-3066. And the show's ID number again is a six-digit number, 133-193. I repeat, 133-193. And don't forget, if you're asked for a PIN number and you're not a member of TalkShoe, 
What you need to do is press one and then press the pound key. Again, if you're asked for pin number and you're not a member of TalkShoe, you're gonna press one on your phone keypad and then press the pound key. Okay, and then you will join the call as a guest. Join us next Tuesday, which is December 31st. We'll be starting promptly at 8 p.m. from 8 to 11. We're gonna have an awesome show. And I do hope everyone comes just ready to inspire. And we're gonna talk about um, resolution. That's gonna be the theme for the 31st, resolution. And Warriors Queen, we're gonna do an eight o'clock till 10 o'clock on resolution. And then we're gonna do pre-publishing tips from 10 to 11. Is that good for you? Thanks for the head up. Yes, thanks for the head up. Okay. Yeah, so we want to focus mm -hmm. from eight yeah, to let, ten and resolution. Right, and I'll and uh, say I'll let you know if I'm if I'm not able to do if I have to make changes, you know, for the hours. Other than that, you know, they're good for me. They're all right. Mm -hmm. Thank you, I appreciate that, and I will definitely check in with you on that. So for tomorrow, everyone, it's going to be 50 degrees. I'm so sorry for those that want to have a white Christmas, but this time in Philadelphia, there won't <laughs> be one. It will be 50 degrees, so it will be on the warmer side. And we want to just let you know it's okay because you can have your artificial snow um, and throw that around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, that's what synthetic snow is for. You know, when you can't have the real thing, we can dream and imagine. So let's enjoy ourselves. Peace and blessings to all and warriors queen. Happy holidays to you and yours. For those that are celebrating Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. We know that it begins from down on the 22nd, which was Sunday. And for those that celebrate Kwanzaa, we're, we know that you'll be celebrating starting on the 26th. Um, I do have an event that I'm attending in Delaware on the 26th, and I'm actually going to be doing a Kwanzaa spoken word art uh, spontaneous piece in drumming. So I'm going to try and get that recorded so I can share it live with everyone on Facebook. And for any and all, that are out there who's available, don't forget on the 28th, yes, on December the 28th, there will be a Hanukkah celebration and it will take place in the city of Philadelphia. And again, this is called the number one Kwanzaa celebration. 2019 will be held at Shoemaker Campus Charter School. It's 53. 01 Media Street, Philadelphia, PA 19131, 5301 Middle Media Street, Philadelphia, PA 19131. Start time is 12 noon. It is on this Saturday from 12 noon to 7 p.m. There will be Black businesses vending at this event. And again, from 12 noon to 7 p.m. Also, they will have edutainment as opposed to entertainment, edutainment, which will take place from two in the afternoon till 6 p.m. Don't you forget that. This will be a true cultural experience and recognition and commemoration of the 400 years educational celebration. 
Please bring your family and friends and celebrate heritage and roots. And don't forget, this is the year of return. It has been marked as such, and especially for those returning to their indigenous and African roots. Don't forget that. There, this event is being sponsored. This event is hosted. Um, and I'm gonna mention that information one second, please, by Bigger Dre and also um, Sharif L. McKee or McKay and uh, the Dickersons, Mama Baba Dickerson. Okay, and um, we do want to acknowledge the Universal African Dance Group. They will be performing, and there will be some vending um, as well by our Black businesses within the community. So we want those of Indigenous as well as African uh, heritage to come out because this involves you. It is a cultural heritage festival. It involves you and celebration of heritage. Um, if you need more in information, if you would like to vend, the number is 267-978-1256. If you would like to vend, contact Queen Nina Bolden. The number is 267-978-1256. If you would like to be a part of the entertainment, you need to contact the following number, 215-259-8003. If you would like to be a part of the entertainment, or if you are listed as a part of the entertainment, you want to know the lineup to know when you are going to be performing as for the number in the lineup, you need to contact Bigger Dre, and that number is 215-259-8003, 215-259-8003. And one more thing, let's not forget, is edutainment, not entertainment. Thank you. Again, Warrior is Queen, this is our hour to say good night, sweet dreams, and till <laughs> next week, behave. To all of those out there listening, our young and our old, behave, because we need to behave, no matter what your age. <laughs> behave. Warrior is queen. I'm passing the mic to you now. How I say, and I'm going to say, Donata Gahani, until next time. All right. Peace and blessings to everyone. Mm -hmm. And a good night. We surely did have.